0: said
1: footlighters
0: but i was reading foo fighters so it was a very different story (laughs) welcome back to river heights radio i'm carl hauser
1: and i'm hope busby
0: we are proud as punch to be talking today about our scene painting
1: line memorizing
0: puppet finding
1: footlighter of of a detective detective nancy Nancy Drew. drew
0: community theater is really on the up and up in river heights
1: So exciting, honestly. Whether
0: you're an amateur actor or a professional actor, but only in the degree in which you're not paid, you're just good at it, there's something for you at the Footlighters.
1: As long as you can like actually get past the audition committee. They're
0: brutal if you haven't been reducing.
1: I thought this book was a delight. I thought it was whimsical within the realm of believability.
0: It was so petty. It was just a bunch of people upset with each other. I can't figure out whether this whole book was Built around the idea that there should be puppets <laughs> or vice versa. But, like, they don't fit together.
1: They fit together great. No spoilers, Carl. Carson hasn't been relevant for a few books. So you knew he was going to have to be somewhat relevant this time. I wonder why Dad sent for me, Nancy said to Mr. Drew's pleasant secretary. Miss Johnson smiled. I would guess it's some kind of a mystery your father wants you to solve. Because we need to hear a lot about Bess and George, they decide that the best vehicle for this is for Miss Johnson to be curious about them.
0: How are Bess and George? Your friends who are cousins.
1: At the moment, Bess is... Well, stage struck. She has been reducing in order to get a part in one of the Footlighters' plays. What
0: a condescending way to talk about your friend's new hobby.
1: She's been trying to interest George and Nancy in this group, but to no avail. Nancy, of course, needs to keep herself open in case there's any mysteries. So we've reached that level of amateur detective.
0: Yeah, no longer can she just happen to be in an activity with a mystery.
1: And George, as you know, tennis tournaments galore right now in River Heights. But apparently the tournaments have just ended. Luckily. Nancy's so excited when she learns she's going to meet her father's uh, client, Because her father's client is an actor.
0: A real live actor?
1: And I don't know if our listeners know this, but we have... Oh my goodness. An actor right here, Carl Hauser. Yeah, yeah, sure. Local amateur actor. No, professional actor. (laughs) Whoa, professional actor Carl Hauser here. I
0: wouldn't be allowed in the footliners. So
1: he's going to be using his expert behind the scenes knowledge of how acting and stages and shit and stuff work to give us insight throughout this episode i
0: could also give insight into the nancy drew universe and say (laughs) that two books ago she was like at a hollywood party with her friend the famous actress so the fact that she's starstruck by this guy who has like decided that he can't get parts on cruise ships anymore so he's just gonna settle down in river heights and do a community theater it's not as impressive as she makes it seem like it is
1: spencer starts talking about his contract that her father is drawing up for him nancy listened attentively but she was sure this information was not the reason her father had asked her to come downtown
0: don't worry, reader. We're not going to get into legalese. <laughs> I find it so funny that Carson's drawing up a contract for this guy. He does every kind of law,
1: I feel like. Oh, yeah. He, he does. This man to. does not
0: specialize. It's a small
1: town. Mr. and Mrs. Spencer of the Footlighters, which is an acting, like an amateur acting guild, right outside of town. They live with one other actor in the house and there's a barn where the stage is to set up and where the plays take place. Mr. and Mrs spencer have been hired to be coaches directors really finally mr drew says please tell nancy your story since she's an amateur detective i think this mystery would intrigue her
0: now this doesn't sit well with this guy
1: yeah spencer reddened a bit and nancy sensed he was embarrassed to think That a girl of 18 might solve a mystery which was baffling a man of his years. It's
0: so funny. This is the only time he shows embarrassment.
1: We really need to know that it's not just about the gender. It's about the age.
0: Sure. Sure. A woman could do it but she better be 20.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Mr. and Mrs. Spencer have been jittery. What's happening is no ghost.
0: Don't worry. It's not a ghost.
1: Puppets. Life-size puppets have been appearing.
0: See it's worse than
1: It sounds fantastic, Nancy remarked. Are you sure this isn't a real person?
0: Now, Mr. Spencer is no spring chicken. He's an actor. He studied bodies.
1: I've been an actor for enough years to differentiate between live actors and artificial ones.
0: (laughs) You, you see Mr. Spencer watching TV being like, oh, you can not see this? They used artificial
1: actors here, actually.
0: It's very interesting.
1: He specifically talks about how it moves like a puppet.
0: And yet...
1: And yet more about that later. Carson agrees that Nancy can go join the Footlighters for a bit to solve this mystery. But on the condition that she bring George and Bess with her, which of course is excellent news... For everyone involved.
0: Yeah, especially Vess, who's been shooting for this for so long. They're just buffers.
1: Spread out that kidnapping. Yeah. Well, Carson says, just one word of advice, young lady. Be careful, you know. You're the only detective I have.
0: Aww. That's the least loving thing Carson's ever said to Nancy.
1: We also learn some new lore in this novel. Mrs. Drew had passed away from a sudden illness. Right.
0: This whole time, I had no idea. Did Carson kill her? Was it a car accident? Is this a mystery that might come back later? Well, we got one piece of it sudden illness.
1: Nancy invites George and Bess for dinner in order to tell them about the exciting new mystery they've been signed up for.
0: Ooh, does she make some delicious dessert?
1: Let's cook the roast that's in the refrigerator, Nancy suggested, and have strawberry shortcake for dessert with all the trimmings. All the trimmings? Oh, I forgot best is dieting. Mm. We'd better change that to apple snow pudding with thin custard sauce.
0: Is that that much better? What is that?
1: It sounds like maybe it's like a snow cone. I don't know.
0: Yes, it is. That is exactly what I've decided (laughs) to do. It's ice and apples.
1: Strawberry shortcake isn't especially bad for you to begin with. It's the trimmings. In terms of dessert. Like, if you're gonna have dessert. Put a big
0: scoop of lard on there.
1: What? Yuck. When George gets there, she literally dragged Nancy into into the living room. Since I'm a literal thinker, I do imagine her dragging her physically. I
0: think this book was written before the literal figurative changeover.
1: Out with it! Something important's brewing! She exclaimed.
0: Never invite me anywhere if there's not action.
1: When Bess hears about the mystery, she draws in a deep breath, (gasps) gives a mock shiver, and then bursts out, How divine! Imagine living in the same house with a real actor and actress. And a supernatural one, George reminded her cousin.
0: I don't think the puppet goes inside. <laughs> yeah, that's the best. I mean, a puppet outside I can see, but a <laughs> puppet inside—that's just a ghost.
1: Nancy goes to tell Mr. Spencer on the phone that her friends have agreed to... Move in. Move into the Footlighters. He's going to pull a few strings so they get in. Yes, the whole
0: guild has to vote on it.
1: They're going to come over for brunch at 1, which is indeed late. I didn't think about it.
0: They just, like, really want to make a point through this whole book about how late these actors sleep in.
1: Well, don't you.
0: (laughs) Shut (laughs) <laughs> That's rude.
1: After all those late showings running I around. I slept in
0: today and that was, you are You're getting me back for that.
1: Wonderful, Bess exclaimed. You'll love it. And Nancy, you'll get a part right away. You often had the lead in school plays.
0: Plus you got that bomb ass titanium hair.
1: Man, she was so good in The Music Man.
0: (laughs) I liked her in uh, in the high school adaptation of Rent.
1: But Nancy does not want to act. She says, I'm going to the estate to do some detective work. I'll sign up to help paint the scenery.
0: Stay in the background
1: as they say.
0: She doesn't.
1: George says, I couldn't recite a nursery rhyme. Put me down for odd jobs like scene shifting. My muscles are hard.
0: George... Stop.
1: (laughs) I actually am increasingly liking George in this, like, new, like, 60s version of her. I'm like, yeah, okay, pretty chill.
0: The rough and tumble.
1: Yeah, but then she's still so mean to Bass about her weight. Bass gets onto the phone to see if they got into the footlighters. The one-sided conversation lasted a long while.
0: Yeah, but, uh uh-huh, what, could, oh, okay, Uh
1: You'll get formal notices in the mail, she said, without enthusiasm, but you're in. (laughs)
0: and I'm bummed about it.
1: George snorted. You seem about as happy over it as an actress who didn't pass her screen test. Good metaphor.
0: (laughs) Well done, George. true poet.
1: I'm puzzled, best admitted. Since you're new members, perhaps I shouldn't tell you. But because you're also detectives, I will.
0: (laughs) The fact that you're my friends has very little to do with any of this.
1: Tammy Whitlock had spoken very forcefully against admitting Nancy and George.
0: (gasps) Tammy? whitlock
1: george and Bess decide that perhaps tammy is afraid of nancy's competition nancy had no comment other than to say she was eager to meet tammy whitlock and find out the reason for her objections And then
0: destroy her.
1: Mr. Spencer says, hey, that attic would be a good place to start your mystery sleuthing. Nancy, no sooner does she get her bags unpacked, hits the stairs up to the attic. Yep. Best giggled. Nancy just can't wait to get started on her mystery. I'd like to have a little fun first. Like, doing what? Playing hide and seek in the haymo, George scoffed. What is a
0: haymo? They kept using that word.
1: A haymo is a stack of hay, That's... or a part of the barn in which the hay is stored.
0: Okay, a place for hay.
1: But right then, they hear a large thump. And they go upstairs to find Nancy lying unconscious on the attic floor.
0: With a whole-ass cannonball (laughs) laying beside her.
1: George does some sleuthing to figure out that it's the cannonball that hit Nancy's head. That's
0: concussion-worthy.
1: George was angry. Whoever put a cannonball in a doll's trunk must have been crazy.
0: Cannonballs go in the basement.
1: Before she had time to go on with her tirade, the girls were startled to hear the stairs creak. Yeah, Nancy concludes somebody was eavesdropping, but George just says old houses are sometimes squeaky. Yeah,
0: but come on. I mean, you don't need a house to squeak to know someone's outside that open window. This is probably the most seriously I've seen a book take a concussion since, well, since the last book when it was just a pot of plants from a second story window.
1: Yeah, a doctor is actually called.
0: Nancy gets put, I'm still to bed, so that's still troubling. Uh, but she's told to have nothing but like broth and clear jellos or some, some nonsense.
1: We are. Our- introduced to the other member of the household... Emmett Calhoun. He was tall, broad shouldered, and had thick, curly greying hair. His eyes were deep set and penetrating. Callie Old Boy is a Shakespearean actor.
0: Callie Old Boy is what we will know him as for the remainder of the book.
1: Old boy not capitalized, but definitely always right after Callie.
0: Yeah, I guess because Old Boy is an honorific.
1: <laughs> Upon seeing Nancy has been injured, he says, Most unfortunate. Those beautiful Eyes, they might have been closed forever. All right. Striking a dramatic pose.
0: A little weird. A little weird.
1: From women's eyes, this doctrine I derive. They sparkle still the right Promethean fire. They are the books, the arts, the academies that show, contain, and nourish all the world.
0: Yeah, And Juliet, she is the moon. We get it.
1: I love this. He constantly quotes semi-appropriate to the situation Shakespeare lines. Bess's eyes sparkled. That's from Love's Labor's Lost, isn't it? Alright, Bess. See, even Bess knows. Don't show off. Well, she's...
0: (laughs) Not even a professional actress.
1: Mr. Calhoun just beams.
0: Not enough children from your generation are still memorizing the Bard's mighty words. (laughs)
1: Mrs. Spencer took the actor by the arm and went with him to the door. Come, Callie, she said. Let's leave the girls alone. Nancy should rest. The girls were... A bit amused at her diplomacy, they saw at once the Callie old boy might easily become a bore.
0: Mrs. Spencer has had to say, come Callie, let's leave the girls alone more times (laughs) than
1: you can But indeed, after broth and crackers and six hours, she wakes up at 10 o'clock in the evening completely refreshed.
0: What a lovely headbang that was.
1: The phone rings? Well, she's out in the hall, and she decides to answer it. The voice at the other hand, obviously disguised, cried out loud in a cackling, witch-like tone. I'm the dancing puppet. <laughs> if you know what's good for you, Nancy Drew, you'll leave me alone. <laughs> Get out! Go away!
0: Now, we're going to come upon several puppets. <laughs> one is a witch, and one dances. It's weird to me that we're going to have a better understanding of which puppet is which than the person who's calling to intimidate Nancy Drew, because the dancing puppet's not the witch puppet. You could say, ah, ha, 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 I'm friends with the dancing puppet. We get coffee together, that's fine.
1: It was probably the puppeteer, George guessed. Perhaps, Nancy conceded, or it might just be someone playing a joke.
0: It could be anyone. could even be a puppet.
1: Nancy has decided that someone did mean to knock her out. That cannonball was thrown at her head. It did not fall out of the trunk she was getting off of a shelf. Bess, of course, is ready to pack it up. This seems too dangerous. Probably you already have a hunch about this whole case, Bess said. A hunch, Bess, but not a good clue.
0: They mentioned having hunches like five times in this book because that's mostly all they have, and I'm here for it.
1: Nancy's hunch is that the pros and the amateurs at this theater have beef
0: the amateurs are trying to scare away the pros or the pros are trying to intimidate the amateurs or anything else
1: (laughs) now nancy attends a play at the barn yeah and she goes in as a sleuth
0: but she leaves a fan
1: but the acting had been so excellent and the play so interesting that she had completely forgotten her work And you know how hard that is. Mm
0: -hmm. That is one hell of a drama about the Civil War.
1: So she remembers to go do sleuthing, but then she feels too weak to do so. Maybe that head injury is still kind of... The concussion
0: she's working off. Yeah. I have a real hard time figuring out what the schedule is for plays Mm. at this particular institute. Because it seems like every time a character has free time, they just get to attend a play.
1: I just think this might be your architecture brain coming in a little bit.
0: If I don't know the schedule <laughs> of the local community playhouse, what, you know.
1: So Nancy is weary, so she justifies not going and doing some sleuthing by reminding herself that the first logical bit of detective work might be just to watch this amateur play. <laughs> so we meet Bob Simpson, who is the leading man. He was about 20 years of age, very tall and dark, with a darting, flirtatious eye. That's a first. I don't think we've heard about Flirtatious, flirtatious eyes. eyes. Joining him on stage is the lead lady, Tammy Whitlock, who looked very attractive. Ugh, Tammy. So Nancy is so good at acting and knows so much about it. You know, she goes to a lot of plays in New York. Oh, yeah. Yeah, and, yeah. And she is watching and observing Tammy like a hawk.
0: Like she was a psychotherapist in a murder mystery. <laughs> Like, she's just unraveling Tammy's brain.
1: She's putting all of her sleuthing abilities into this. She can just detect where this actress goes beyond excellent acting. Because she is an excellent actress. Sure. Beyond that, though, into really throwing herself at this man.
0: It... I... My (laughs) mind... (laughs) reels to understand nancy specifically commends bob on playing the part realistically as you would expect to see in a play but is annoyed or disturbed by tammy playing it so realistically that it was as if it was real life going so far as to refer to that style of acting as middle school acting
1: Yeah, she's not being artistic. We're not talking about there's good chemistry here.
0: Nope, Bob is doing it acting style and Tammy's doing it realistic (laughs) style. And never the twain shall meet.
1: I'm sure the feeling isn't mutual, Nancy decided as the scene changed. (laughs) So that was all in one scene. In one scene,
0: she's like, let me get behind the characters into the actor's brains.
1: Well, first words out of Bess's mouth after the play are, wasn't Tammy something in that love scene? She certainly overplayed it. I'm glad Bob didn't fall for it. I just don't care for that girl. What do you mean, fall for
0: it? (laughs) What did you expect to see on stage? His... She's like, Tammy, I, I know we're in a play, but do you, do you mean these things? <laughs> stop the play. Everyone stop watching. <laughs> we need to work this out, she and I. Like, what are you talking about?
1: thus has also decided that Mr. Spencer doesn't like Tammy either. What makes you say that, Nancy asks eagerly. Uh-huh. Ooh, give me the tea, says Nancy.
0: This whole thing, everyone consistently is more interested in the drama about the actors that the play seems to deliver to us than the play itself ever.
1: We're treated to a little bit of a behind the scenes because apparently after the play was done, Tammy waylaid Bob and impishly repeated some of the lines from the love scene. Bob had reddened.
0: What flirtatious Civil War-esque lines do you think? she Was she just like, you know, Bob, my bodice really does heave for you. <laughs>
1: But before he could reply, Mr. Spencer had interrupted. Wow, did he ball her out, Bess said. (laughs) Mr. Spencer told Tammy she was making the performance seem like a grade school skit.
0: What is that... But too realistic? is Why?
1: Why? Bob Simpson had been among the first to leave, possibly avoiding Tammy. Back at the house, Nancy and her friends got bottles of soda from the fridge and went up to Nancy's room to gossip some more. Yeah. Well, George, said Nancy, what's your report? Because all of this gossip has been from best so far. Mm-hmm. Nothing to do with the dancing puppets, but I have a couple of other interesting items to tell you.
0: The dancing what? I don't don't remember any of that.
1: There was a regular battle between Tammy and Mr. Spencer just before you girls came into the house. (laughs) He said to her... Young woman, keep your personal feelings out of this theater. Sure. And what did Tammy say, Bess asked quickly. For a second, I thought she was going to hit him. Mm-hmm. But all she said to Mr. Spencer was, and suppose you stay out of my personal affairs. <gasps> oh. Bess was thoughtful for a moment, then said, Nancy, it just might be that Tammy is a jealous person.
0: Actors are just like us.
1: Bess has decided, Tammy didn't try to stop them from joining the Footlighters because Nancy might steal her parts. Mm-hmm. She was afraid Nancy would steal her man.
0: Yep, yep. I mean, Nancy knows she could have Bob Sampson in a New York minute <laughs> if she
1: wanted him. George laughed. Bess, don't ever tell that to Ned Nickerson. He
0: will straight up murder Bob.
1: She said, referring to Nancy's special date. Mm -hmm. Nancy blushed a bit.
0: Of all the things that Ned's been called, special date feels like it means the least.
1: I want to be someone's special date.
0: Really comes off as a one-off activity. Who's that? Oh, that's my special date. Oh, you're seeing her? No, We just had one.
1: Disagree. George found Kathy Cromwell crying. (laughs) She's Tammy's understudy, but Just really... Can't memorize the lines or do them right. Just awful. Nancy points out that she did really well in her part in this play. Oh, yeah. Yeah, but whenever she tries to do Tammy's part. Any
0: lines at all. She can't. She crumbles.
1: And this is where I kind of thought that, like, she was being, like, bullied by Tammy to do badly. Or, like, paid by Tammy even to do badly.
0: But, no, it turns out she is genuinely bad.
1: No, Carl. Well,
0: you can't do it under pressure, you know.
1: Oh, my goodness. After all this gossip, Nancy had already started to undress since she had had a long and exciting day. Bess and George said goodnight and left her. (laughs) whoa 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 okay yeah yeah yeah. we're going nancy Nancy,
0: you spend one day as an actress and you're just getting naked in front of us
1: <laughs> which we wouldn't mind if like we weren't cousins kind of awkward
0: did you just ship everyone
1: well i'm just saying like so you think about your crush you think about them getting naked in front of you gotcha. you don't want your cousin to be there
0: no. <laughs> ideally you don't want
1: that no, <laughs> no. <laughs> the next morning three good mornings were set at once
0: Good morning, good morning, good morning,
1: And George added, ham and eggs? Um, sounds perfect. Not yum, not mmm. Um. I, I
0: just think you're misreading it. I think it's, um, sounds perfect.
1: <laughs> That's how we would do it today, right? Yeah. So Nancy wants to investigate the theater now that it's empty. Bess offers to straighten up their rooms. You girls go on ahead. I'll join you later. So we see this very, like, social, mother Domesticated, yeah. Bess again. Off George and Nancy go. You won't have to make that offer twice, George exclaimed. <clears throat> I'll take sleuthing with Nancy any time to bed making. <clears throat> Which, like, yeah. So they end up in the hayloft, hoping to find some clues.
0: Nancy goes about finding clues in what I imagine is just the best way possible, which is basically by lying down on the hay and rolling around. She's just feeling through the hay.
1: Yeah, they scuff their feet in it a lot. George.
0: Maybe, I, maybe I imagine some of it, but either way,
1: George finds something hard and heavy. It's a heavy wooden chest. This is like lead, George remarked. She tried to lift the lid of the box but failed. They tried a lot of times, they did a lot of things, and then Nancy wisely remembered, Oh, I saw a box like this in the museum once, and I know how to open the secret lock.
0: It's a push, not a pull.
1: There are two more cannonballs.
0: Inside.
1: Inside this box.
0: Yeah, because there's enough of a divot in whatever velvet this box is that you can see there's a place for a third
1: which they deduce is the one that hit Nancy. has to be.
0: I guess these are like the captain's private cannonballs.
1: Which would seem to prove, Nancy added, that somebody sneaked up with it to the attic when no one was in sight and hurled it at me.
0: Nancy continues to avoid the word snuck.
1: Suddenly George is afraid that somebody's hiding in the hay. Could be. They don't find anybody even though they kick all the hay in the loft. They can't move the chest because it's too awkward and heavy. So instead they'll bring the other cannonball here to see if it matches. And if it does, George said, we'll have one clue. One. Do you think the person who threw the cannonball is also connected with the puppet mystery, she asked Nancy? I can't say, Nancy answered. The what? Back at the attic, the other cannonball has disappeared. (gasps) I guess, says George, the person who threw it is clever enough to remove any evidence against him. You're right, Nancy agreed. We'll really have to be on our toes to catch this culprit. In a whisper, she tells Bess and George they are no longer gonna go back to the haymo. They're gonna watch it from afar tonight.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Maybe they'll learn something.
0: Good whispering, just in case anyone's around.
1: They also all agree to tell nobody anything, which I don't think they do for the whole book, <laughs> except for the police. But I mean every nobody who had hired them. They keep the Spencers very in the dark.
0: Yeah, and the Spencers don't seem to care. I think they just wanted Nancy Drew for one of their shows.
1: When the actors do get up, Margot is vivacious and humorous. Laugh about the way she keeps the house everything out of a can or the freezer she says paper plates and cups on all occasions this is very feminism of the 60s my grandma was in this camp of feminism she also everything she made was from a can was like a simple casserole potatoes green beans some veggies that were fresh but like she really didn't cook cook And that was intentional and she talked about how that was intentional of like women no longer needed to be stuck in the kitchen doing this kind of work. She had grown up in rural Nebraska and was very like expected to learn to cook and she hated it from a very young age. She hated the kitchen, which is hard for me to relate to because I love the kitchen so much. But I was a little girl that hated a lot of the social norms that were put upon me as a girl, that's why I related to George so much and I feel like that's the part I could relate to when my grandma was talking about this. It's like I really was like but I love cooking but the idea of being expected to do it and having to like and she pointed out like they didn't have air conditioning when she was growing up. Mm. So you're just sitting in this really hot unair conditioned kitchen and you're expected to do that three meals a day.
0: I think it's a Fascinating historical moment when there's enough feminism in society to say women really do too much
1: Mm -hmm. work.
0: And the response isn't, men should do some of it. It's, what if you had more things wrapped in plastic? We're not feminist enough to make the men do the work, but you know what? We're going to find ways the machines will do work for you. We can, you know, we'll give you a washing machine, we'll wrap everything in plastic, and we'll give you a fake silverware and plates.
1: And I think it's this interesting dovetailing of like, consumerism and commercialism and these these products becoming like we now do have the ability to mass produce these things for the first time in history and we want to create a market for that. The history of feminism has been kind of like doing the best you can with where you're at. Always being told you're making more progress than you are. Yeah.
0: It reminds me of, I had a conversation with someone who was talking about, you know, if men were the ones who, who gave birth who, you know, had monthly periods and would to give birth, tampons and pads would be free and there'd be plan B in every, you know, vending machine in America. As the shift for women to do less work arises, it will not be shifted onto the men. It will be shifted onto automation.
1: Yeah, because nobody should have ever had to be cooking three meals a day. Simone de Beauvoir talks about feminism, talks about how that is the reason women have been oppressed. The weight of childbirth. Mm because literally the process of being pregnant is so taxing on so many women physically and keeps them from traveling from the home. Mm,
0: Takes you out of the game for a bit.
1: Yeah, and it also doesn't allow you to take risks. Now you're eating for two. You're living for two. If you were to go out on an adventure, you haven't just affected yourself, you've affected this other person. Right. So you say, well, men would then have these things if they had had the childbirth, but very likely they would have been the oppressed ones if they had the childbirth because it's part of what's been used to oppress women historically and that's why birth control becoming more widespread and more readily available in the 60s was also a huge part of the feminist movement and of advances for women in the parts of the world that had that availability increase.
0: I guess the comparison only works if suddenly it was men getting pregnant It just switch happened and yeah. no one knew why mm-hmm. <laughs> and then boy then we'd take care these problems.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. It only works if you take the current gender norms and you switch the gender issues, right? So yeah, so I, I I thought this was a cute moment where that was being presented as a viable option because Margot is certainly portrayed well throughout this book. She's a working woman who coaches actors. She does the same job her husband does.
0: I have never seen someone portray this level of. I don't want to say lack of class, but, like, lack of specific types of upbringing, hosting, class, whatever you want to call it. And not have them, yeah, portrayed really negatively. It stood out that no one was like, oh, you don't cook? Mm-hmm. Or, oh, you're pretending to be sophisticated, but you use paper plates. And I do think some weight was put on the fact that they were artists, that they were actors. Yeah. Like, it kind of made it okay. They've chosen a lifestyle where it's okay to eat out of tins regularly. Now, if they lived in Nancy's neighborhood, it would be different but, you know, they've chosen the bohemian life, and they're allowed, because they're doing so many plays in their barn, you know, to eat olives or whatever.
1: Yeah, if you can't afford a maid, then it makes sense.
0: Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean, they, you know, who's their Hannah Gruen?
1: Definitely not supposed to be thought of as the norm. Yeah. And it's definitely contrasted with Nancy and her friends continuing to use real dishes while they're there, and washing their dishes when they're done. Right, right. having
0: eggs for breakfast.
1: And they go back and visit Hannah who cooks traditional meals on you know, full China.
0: I forgot that. They get excited more than almost any other book to go for Hannah's cooking. And I wonder if it's because no one's been cooking for them while they've been at this artist's retreat.
1: Certainly some of the other places they visited don't didn't seem to have very good food though. This is probably just a mistake or just coincidence. But since food is more described while they're at this house than say when they were at the resort. A few few books ago, one does get the feeling that this is not supposed to be unappetizing food. Like this is still like they have fruit salad, tomato soup, and broiled hamburgers. Like that sounds like perfectly delicious American food. Mm-hmm. And dessert was a cake from a River Heights bakery. So the idea is they don't even bake; they're just gonna buy from the local bakery. Mm-hmm. Conversation during luncheon was confined exclusively to the activities of the theater. There was laughter and banter among the three professionals, and though the girls did not understand the mini innuendos, the <laughs> between them, they thoroughly enjoyed what Mr. Spencer called backstage gossip.
0: They say that she's more of an actress in the wings, if you know what I mean. But she's got green room appeal.
1: Callie, old boy, from time to time quoted from Shakespeare. Often he would rise from the table and speak with dramatic gestures. And this our life, exempt from public haunt, finds tongues in trees, books in the running brooks, sermons in stones, and good in everything.
0: So saith the Lord.
1: Bess's eyes had grown wide. How she wished she could act as dramatically as Emmett Calhoun. Not well. Dramatically. And she tells him this. That's pretty successful in buttering him up, as it would be. Yeah. Mr. Spencer laughed. Don't coax Callie, old boy, to recite too much. I think he knows every line in every Shakespeare play. Oh, I do. So Nancy mentions that she saw Tammy act last night. hmm I thought she did a marvelous job. Oh, Tammy is talented, but she's too egotistical about her abilities. <laughs> Mr. Spencer said. Besides, she's kind of a troublemaker. If she weren't so good, I wouldn't give her any part. Damn it.
0: I wish she wasn't so good at acting.
1: Troublemaker, Nancy repeated, hoping to learn more. She tries to lord it over everybody, Mr. Spencer explained, and is sarcastic and unkind in her remarks to the people who do not learn so quickly as she does which I find interesting because Mr. Spencer is kind of a mean director. He's
0: such a dick. And then to have her on his team and be like, but she's so good. And then- she, she makes everyone sad but ugh, she's so good. Except for I have to yell at her for how middle school her acting is. But it's worth it.
1: Mr. Spencer is going on about how bad Tammy is. Meanwhile Margot was looking intently at Emmett Calhoun. She seemed to be telegraphing a message to him. Mr. Spencer feeling perhaps that he had gone far enough. Stops. Probably they were just telegraphing, like, should we really be gossiping in front of these 18 year old kids? Instead, since it's a Nancy Drew mystery, it comes off as are these people conspiring? When the girls were alone, Bess said, what did you make of all that, Nancy? You'll be surprised when I tell you, Nancy replied. I have an idea. Emmett Calhoun is very fond of Tammy Whitlock. What? What on earth gave you that idea? George asked. A little signal that Callie old boys seemed to be Getting from Margot.
0: I know you have a love sonnet in your back pocket right now. Please don't. Don't do it. We know that you're into Tammy. Keep your sonnets in your
1: pockets. Best side. You're probably right, Nancy, but I'd like to bet that Tammy is no more interested in cali old boy, than I am. <laughs> Clear that up for us, Best, because you were really bunny. Wait, Wait a minute, Bess. Wait a
0: minute. More mixed signals from best than ever.
1: Nancy has a new plan. Let's take my car and pretend we're going to town. We'll park it on the side of the road, then sneak back here to spy on the place.
0: (laughs) Nancy is in such a spying mood in this book.
1: Nancy added with a chuckle, we may see the dancing puppet. So it gets dark, they drive up to about half a mile away from the place, Mm -hmm. pull over on the country road. George points out that somebody's coming up behind them.
0: So naturally.
1: And they shouldn't get out until the car passes.
0: Nancy's like, that's not good enough.
1: Yeah, Nancy decides they need to duck so that whoever's driving past won't see them. So they huddled together with their faces towards their knees. In a few seconds, the oncoming car, instead of passing, rammed right into the convertible. Now, you've got three girls not in their seatbelts. Heads
0: down, so it's the first thing that's going to hit the dashboard. I don't know how any of them are okay.
1: There was a crash of glass, and the three girls blacked out. Plus, they're in a car of the 60s. Yep.
0: For several Dashboards made out of diamond.
1: So, this is a cliffhanger at the end of the chapter, and I know you're worried, but the next chapter starts with the knowledge that they were only unconscious for several seconds. That's
0: so bad.
1: Like, so they probably didn't even know they were unconscious. If it was only several seconds.
0: Yeah. Still enough to restrict some air to the brain. That's all I'm saying.
1: Well, I guess it was enough time for the guy to pull a hit and runner. Yeah, and to drive off in the night.
0: Back his car up and
1: <laughs> scoot away. Nancy came to and she said, oh, my head, knowing she had hit the steering wheel. Nevertheless, despite her now multiple head Head injuries, injuries in one book. She turned her attention to Bess and George. George was alright, except for a lump... Where she had hit the her head on the dashboard. And Bess feels like her head's on crooked.
0: That's called whiplash. I see over that. That's fine.
1: Yeah. How about you, Nancy? george asked. Do we go on sleuthing or shall we give it up for tonight? I have a strong hunch that the person who ran into us did it on purpose.
0: Hunch number two.
1: There was plenty of room to pass. I mean, it does depend on how dark it is out on these country roads. But nevertheless, since they were significantly off the road, yeah, you would think it would have to be intentional. And even if hitting them wasn't intentional, not checking to see if they were okay and just driving away. That
0: was certainly intentional.
1: Yeah, I mean, maybe they were driving for help.
0: The only two reasons for accidents are that they're either on purpose or that there wasn't enough room to
1: pass. That's right. George suggested that the driver might have been ill or sleepy. Or drunk. Nancy admitted this could be true. (laughs) But mm. even then,
0: like, I, I, I've i been sleepy. I, I've done stupid stuff because I'm sleepy. But I've never done something and then sleepily said, We should get out of here.
1: Yeah. In any case, I think the whole thing should be reported to Chief McGuinness. Yes, yeah. Nancy. They took a survey of the car damage, the rear bumper needed straightening, the trunk compartment was dented, and the paint was chipped off in spots. This is a sturdy bus, George commented. <laughs> that whack we got was enough to smash in the rear of most cars. Nancy patted the fender. I'm pretty fond of this old convertible, she said smiling. First of all, don't pretend this isn't your third new car this year. <laughs> and second of all, that's horrible. Like, this is the difference in what we understand today about car safety and what we did then. I'm
0: pretty sure the safest car would be one that crumples. Yeah, just
1: completely smooshes. Yeah, not
0: one that shakes you inside like vulnerable little anchovies.
1: Chief McGinnis is apprised of the situation. Another mystery, eh? Oh,
0: Saints Bizarre does He
1: had great admiration for what Nancy already had accomplished, and often told her teasingly that he hoped someday she might become a detective on his team.
0: And then he was always like, just kidding, you're a girl.
1: <laughs> this case may be another game between you and me to see who'll find the culprit first.
0: When has that ever been a competition, McGinnis?
1: <laughs> Nancy goes to the mechanic shop. You know the one that she always goes to. You
0: yeah, know, the one. The
1: 24-hour service mechanic shop.
0: Mm-hmm. The one that that one guy worked at before he skipped town.
1: Finds Joe, who had gone to high school with us. She says, hey, do you have time to straighten my rear bumper out? Somebody out on the road got frisky and rammed
0: me. <laughs> a, a third possible explanation.
1: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Somebody was just feeling frisky. This is flirting. Well, he agrees to do what he can in, in an hour that he can set aside.
0: But, What would be really helpful from Joe is some detective work.
1: Yeah, let me know if anyone brings a car for headlight and fender repair, would ya?
0: And if they do, put our cars right next to each other as some sort of a car crash puzzle. And see if that's them.
1: George, Buzz, and Nancy head to the house to get a snack. And to ask Dad what's going on. And to give Dad a full report.
0: Yeah, Carson needs to be appraised. Regularly.
1: Nancy, what's the bruise on your head from? And are you giving up your case so soon?
0: (laughs) First of all, are you okay? And why are you quitting?
1: Hannah is just giving Carson his dinner. He worked so late. Nancy decides to tease him and say that they haven't been being fed enough. Bess and George began to laugh as they found both Mr. Drew and Mrs. Gruen taking the last part of Nancy's remarks seriously. I'll get you a nice big dinner right away, the kindly housekeeper offered. Oh
0: no, we, we didn't mean that. Oh, I was just kidding.
1: I'm afraid, said Nancy, that you've caught me in a great big fib. We'll just have some cookies, or cake, and milk. Hannah worries that Nancy's case might be too dangerous to continue.
0: I mean, you know, you've already got, what, two concussions? (laughs) Of course she's worrying about you, Nancy.
1: I must admit that things have happened unexpectedly, Nancy (laughs) replied.
0: I didn't expect that car accident.
1: But I think that since I've been alerted, I'll avoid letting the unexpected happen again.
0: You know, if you know something might happen that you didn't expect, then you will always have expected that.
1: Mr. Drew put an arm around his daughter's shoulder. I'm afraid, my dear, trying to do that is asking for the impossible. But I beg of you, be careful. It was now his chance to do a little teasing. He appoints Bess and George the guardians of Nancy Drew. We accept the assignment, George and Bess said in unison, making low bows.
0: I don't know if I get the way they tease each
1: other. I don't get it at all. I don't know know if it strikes me as interesting or funny. it's kind of nice because like the re it, it's not mean teasing
0: yeah yeah that's true <laughs> i don't get it
1: nope when they got home they noticed that there were no lights on and they were afraid that they were locked out and perhaps nobody thought they were coming back since they were gone for so long right but nancy surprises them by having the key to the front door that the spencers gave her
0: they trust nancy implicitly
1: mm-hmm. she notices that the moon is coming out and thinks this might be a great night to catch that dancing puppet.
0: The dancing puppet barely feels like it wants to be discovered. So if anyone is doing this to scare people away, they're doing such a shit job.
1: Yeah, because usually the logical explanation is them kind of Scooby-Doo-esque right. like thing, but this time I didn't believe it was.
0: They try to discover this puppet with the same energy you might try to go stargazing. Like, oh, it's a clear sky tonight. Yeah. We can finally see the dancing puppet.
1: Yeah. Well, Nancy runs full tilt into Mr. Spencer and in the dark nancy well for pete's sake the actor said what's the pig idea well they had the same idea they're both gonna go watch the puppet together even though it seemed an eternity they do eventually see the puppet
0: i just realized what this is it's a plan to make sure the actors don't get enough sleep because they're staying up all night trying to watch dancing puppets
1: Nancy's eyes popped wide in amazement. It's the dancing puppet, she gasped. (gasps) It is indeed a life-sized ballerina and upon seeing it Nancy tells herself, this is a puppet not a live person. Mr. Spencer whispered, now is our chance to catch that thing and runs towards it. It runs away into the barn. Mr. Spencer says, you see what I mean? It's supernatural I tell you. This is a ghost with a brain. It certainly seems so, Nancy agreed.
0: What do most ghosts have
1: unfortunately mr spencer apparently doesn't have the key into the theater with him so once the puppet goes into the theater they're locked out the puppet has
0: the key obviously
1: by the time they get in there it has disappeared
0: i don't know hope i've seen people move like puppets i don't think it's impossible that someone moves like a puppet i think what is fascinating is a puppet that's running from the outside to the inside which makes it again not much like a marionette so what is the movement you're noticing does it just do the robot well?
1: They don't know about robots.
0: What was that dance called before it was the robot? <laughs> the, uh, the marionette. The
1: marionette. The <laughs> marionette. Nancy was extremely puzzled. If I weren't so practical, I'd think that dancing figure evaporated into thin air.
0: But I am very practical.
1: I'm glad you saw the dancing puppet, Nancy. You know now that it wasn't a figment of my imagination. So Mr. Spencer this whole time is, like, just dying for someone to believe him. Yeah. This is important to remember for later. Mr. Spencer reassures Nancy that the puppet has never, like, damaged any property. Nancy is just so used to ghosts and how they always Damage stuff. But nope. puppets aren't like that. This is a
0: nice one. It dances. It sings no strings on me. You're good.
1: <laughs> Mr. Spencer thinks that these puppets are trying to scare people away from the theater, ruin the business and Nancy says, hmm, a good many people might come out of curiosity. On the other hand, they probably won't see the puppet because it only comes out in the middle of the night.
0: Yeah. If a community theater had a ghost puppet that never bothered anyone, I'd be more likely to go rather than less.
1: Yeah, certainly I'd be neutral.
0: Do you want to see As You Like It at the local theater? Eh, they've got a ghost. Ooh. It's a puppet. Up and cut co- What? <laughs>
1: it's a puppet of a ghost. It's
0: up and cut. Co- Wait. <laughs> ghost. I,
1: ghost I, I, of a puppet. I
0: guess I'd rather see the ghost of a puppet than the puppet of a ghost.
1: <laughs> Well, Nancy theorizes that it's actually to scare Mr. Calhoun and Mr. and Mrs. Spencer away from the property.
0: Which isn't working either. They're just trying to see it more.
1: Nancy, George, and Bess go back the next day to try to find a secret door. You know, while the actors are still sleeping. Yeah. What they find is that if you climb up on one of the props for the Civil War play, which is an old farm wagon, you can just barely see up high an inconspicuous handle to a door. Do you think that the person with the puppet went through there? Bess asked. How could anybody? We can't even reach it from here. Nancy points out that he could have had an accomplice. She makes a cup of her hands and lifts George high. George gets into this hayloft that's way up there. The barn attic,
0: basically. It's the exact same place.
1: Mm -hmm. They just, like,
0: found a second entrance.
1: Once up there, George does find a ladder which she lowers down. They climb up, then they put it back where George found it (laughs) so that they don't leave any traces. Mm -hmm. Before they start looking, they make sure nobody's around to see them looking for this and who should walk in onto the stage but old callie boy <gasps> callie old boy callie old boy he's reciting something from shakespeare's king richard the my conscience hath a thousand several tongues and every tongue brings in a several tale and every tale condemns me for a villain He's the one, Bess said. His conscience is bothering him, and he's trying to get rid of his feeling this way.
0: Bess, what? Shh.
1: George Warren. I mean, it makes sense. So far whenever he's done Shakespeare lines, they had to do with, like, real life. So now he's confessing he's a villain and we're looking for a
0: villain. I don't know about that.
1: Made sense to me.
0: Maybe if him saying Shakespeare lines that have to do with his life is, like, a compulsion rather than an affectation.
1: This ends up being explained later by the fact that they find out he is actually he's in that show. acting in King Richard Third. But he then quotes another play and says, oh, what may a man, thin him hide though, angel on the outward side. I don't know why he added that. That does seem bad if he's just like mixing in different plays. Yeah, best shows off that she knows that that's from measure to measure.
0: <laughs> best stop it. He's basically a Shakespeare DJ, he's just you know, he's getting bits in there that he likes.
1: Nancy says, it's a possibility. He is a strange person.
0: Yeah, I mean, that's what all you need, really, (laughs) to be a possible criminal in River Heights.
1: George then suggests that the whole mystery might be some kind of joke, to which Bess gives her an absolutely withering look. Like, are you kidding me? People getting knocked over the head, our car getting bonked into. Like, this goes... Well, beyond a joke. These
0: are people living before the birth of the YouTube prank. Because I, yes, I could see.
1: Nancy agrees with us. This is, like, one of the few typos that has ever genuinely confused me. Okay. It says, one thing's sure. We'll need a lot more clues before we can decide anything. Only clues, the C and the L are so close together, they look like a D. Either that or they actually typed a D for the C and the L.
0: We'll need more dues. We'll
1: need a lot more dues, And I am trying to figure out, are they going to fundraise for the theater? Is the theater, like, hurting financially? <laughs> like, I literally went on this whole train journey. <laughs> of like what? what kind of dues are they receiving for this one
0: thing's for sure i'm not solving <laughs> any
1: more mystery
0: until i get paid
1: yeah no more amateur detecting for me
0: A little bit of moolah coming my way. Great theater. It'd be a shame if someone were to haunt it. I could take care of that for you.
1: So they scuffed through the loose hay and they parted it with their hands. And finally, Nancy's foot kicked a hard object. Something here, she sang out. (laughs) (laughs) Another puppet.
0: Oh, I thought you were going to say box of cannibals. Nancy
1: exclaimed in amazement. This is a puppet dressed in traditional witch clothes. Whatever that means to you.
0: Probably this is the puppet they use in Wicked.
1: Who on earth hid this? George cried out. Yeah, it's just a prop, right?
0: But I have to I have to reiterate that this is a witch puppet. So it feels like this is the voice we heard. Yeah. Claiming to be the dancing puppet. Mm-hmm. I do not believe this witch dances. Someone doesn't understand puppetry. It's all I'm saying.
1: George also discovers that the chest of cannonballs is gone. Now what? Bass asked. Uh, Nancy takes all the clothing off of this witch. Yep. Slowly. Erotically. (laughs) Yeah. Bass remarks, it has a horrible face. But what was the dancing puppet's face like, Nancy. Odd. I caught only a glimpse of it Nancy replied but I think it was
0: more sexy.
1: It was more girlish. This one you notice has a long sharp nose. Careful Nancy. <laughs> There's something interesting there with like witches being in part representative of our fear of femininity. Mm. and then, And then like the grotesque like long nose being like one of the reasons they're also somehow failing at being feminine. Right. Along with the low cackling voice.
0: Yeah so nancy is stripping down this puppet for clues
1: george speaks up i'll bet our detective is hunting for hidden springs or some other type of mechanism that makes this old lady work yeah she's not just filling up this now naked puppet (laughs) this
0: this poor like crash test dummy with a witch mask on
1: nancy admitted this But then she redresses the witch having found nothing. They hide it exactly where they found it. Back at the house, the actors are finally getting out of bed.
0: (laughs) This is what? It's 2pm.
1: They ask Nancy where she's been. Nancy laughs and says, The early bird catches the worm, and I figure if I get out early enough in the morning, I may catch a villain or two.
0: (laughs) And then they laugh. And then (laughs) everyone says, oh, how funny. But that's not a joke. That's barely a witticism.
1: Then Callie old boy comes in, fresh from his morning constitutional, announces that he's ready for breakfast. At which point, Bess makes him some breakfast.
0: Yeah, because he like doesn't move to get it. He's just like, I'd like breakfast.
1: This breakfast plot has all the feeling of when they're trying to figure out who should drive who somewhere. Yeah. Because it just bogs down this next scene as they keep reminding us who's taking care of his breakfast and whether he's eating it or not. He beamed and said he would help make his own breakfast oh yeah yeah. see feminism mm -hmm. just then in walks tammy tammy good morning tammy the others greeted her and Emmett calhoun gave her a wide smile
0: bob's not here tammy
1: tammy scowled what's good about it she asked
0: name 10 things
1: mr spencer decides this is the time to have it out with tammy i guess
0: Yeah, they're always having it out, though. Like, all their interactions are a little bit having it out.
1: Yeah, Tammy's like, guess what? The next play's gonna suck. (laughs) And you know what? It's your fault, because you won't take my advice. Yep. I'm a young person, and I know what young people want. (laughs) You won't take any of my suggestions. So if, if this play goes badly, and you know it will, you're going to be fired from the Footlighters.
0: They never say what these suggestions are. That Tammy's trying to get in there? Is it like a a Corvette? I don't know.
1: (laughs) She wants to play Grease. (laughs) Hamilton Spencer looked stunned. The young woman's impudence held him speechless for a moment. Tammy took advantage of the situation. With each utterance against him and the play, she became more dramatic (laughs) until she was fairly shrieking. Finally, the actor rose from his chair and faced her, his eyes blazing. Tammy Whitlock. I've told you before to keep your personal feelings and ideas out of this theater. I'm not afraid of losing my job. Don't forget that there must be a vote on the subject by the whole group. I admit the cast is not doing very well, but your suggestions on how to run them are a lot of rubbish. Now, I'll thank you to not bring up the subject again.
0: Uh Actor, fight, actor, fight, actor, fight.
1: Not, nope. Nancy and George, embarrassed, escaped to the kitchen to help Bess. With what? With Emmett Calhoun. Oh, breakfast. the
0: breakfast!
1: Emmett Calhoun is there smiling as if he thoroughly enjoyed the whole thing. I like people with fire, he said. Tammy's beautiful when she's angry. <laughs>
0: he, he knows what he wants.
1: Wish I could say the same for Hamilton Spencer. <sighs> Ouch.
0: Not into him. Mm -hmm.
1: Oh, beware, my lord of jealousy. It is the green eyed monster which doth mock the meat it feeds on.
0: What is that shell silver scene?
1: Suddenly, George began to laugh, saying, We don't have to go to the theater to see a good play. Just come to the Van Pelt house. (laughs) Her good humor seemed to break the tension that had arisen.
0: Well done, George.
1: Thanks, George. I mean, I I would laugh at that in this situation. It would help me break some of my tension. I hate hearing people Fighting in the next room. Yeah. Meanwhile, Bess has managed to burn his toast and scorch his (laughs) scrambled eggs.
0: Yeah. You know, it was uh, the the breakfast plot was so good. I guess it just went on too long. <laughs>
1: Sorry, I'll make some more but Emmett isn't even listening he is eavesdropping some more on that fight so Nancy and George now help make his breakfast and they all leave the room as soon as the breakfast is done I think Tammy is perfectly horrid Bess burst out I don't see why they keep her in the foot lighters. probably she's a really good actress <laughs> yeah there's one very good reason Nancy reminded her friend Tammy is an excellent actress
0: so she's amazing Bess. she's something you'll never be
1: But she has amateur status, but she performs as if she had had professional experience.
0: Interesting. Hmm. Ah. Hmm.
1: They're trying to go up to the attic when Tammy orders them not to. Yep. Where are you going? Tammy asked. Nancy and the cousins remained silent. Oh, don't act so smug, she said angrily. Nancy drew, I've heard... You're a detective. That means there's a mystery around here or you wouldn't be here.
0: I've read the secret of the old clock.
1: <laughs> As Tammy paused, Nancy looked intently at her and said, Go on. <laughs> For a second, Tammy seemed nonplussed, but regaining her belligerent <laughs> attitude, she said, I have a right to know what the mystery is. George looked at Tammy in disgust. Assuming there is a mystery, she said, just what gives you the right to know what it is. Right, Tammy repeated, who has a better right? I'll have you know I'm the most important person in this amateur group.
0: I know what young people want.
1: You and Nancy, and even Bess. So she must like Bess better. You... And Nancy and even Bess are newcomers. And not one of you is an actress, she added. Nancy had flushed, but she kept her temper. Bess was too flabbergasted to speak. But George was furious. This is another way I relate to George. I would not, in most of these situations, I would be chewing out these girls, Mm -hmm. okay? So you think you're so important? She almost yelled. Importantly, not quite. White yelled. Well, you'd better look out or somebody will prick that bubble of conceit. You know how to recite lines and strut around on the stage, but that's about it. You're a troublemaker. What else is
0: there, though? Isn't that all of it?
1: (laughs) You're the actor, you tell me.
0: Yes, that's all of it.
1: You're a troublemaker with no respect for your elders. Unnecessary. I could tell you a lot more, but I don't even want to talk to you.
0: Uh, you don't need to. You
1: better just... get out of here and fast.
0: It's all lines and strutting, I gotta tell you.
1: Tammy stunned, glared at George. I have influence. I'll have all three of you put out of the footlighters. And she flounces out of the house.
0: Give a hand. Big hand for Tammy. <laughs> yeah.
1: Nancy and George are like whatever but Bess is like you know Tammy might try to get rid of all of us and uh, that's not going to go so well for our mystery
0: (laughs) we need to be in the Foo Fighters
1: Nancy had not thought of the problem this way The implication that, like, George and Nancy have no idea about social stuff at all. Like, I get the feeling that, like, Bess literally is friends, like, close, personal friends with, like, half the town. But Nancy and George are pretty much just friends with each other. Yeah,
0: poor Bess is like, because we wouldn't be invited. <laughs> yeah. Because you can't just go in people's homes. <laughs> because they don't like it.
1: <laughs> well, Nancy, thinks if I were no longer a member of the Footlighters, I might have to leave the Van Pelt Estate. (laughs) Then I wouldn't be able to solve the mystery. (laughs) Suddenly, Bess's mood changed. Say, she said, snapping her fingers, I have an idea. Her idea is for Nancy to become the unofficial, top secret understudy of Tammy's part. Mm -hmm. You know
0: who's really in store for a comeuppance? The understudy to Tammy. We should take her part from her. She sucks, and you should take her job.
1: Well, best thinks that if she learns Tammy's lines, then if things come to a showdown, Nancy can put Tammy in her place. <laughs> now, I know this is how acting works. There's a lot of, like, memorizing each other's lines yep. in case you have a duel. Yeah, that's because true. Because once you win that duel, mm-hmm. it is now your part. Yeah,
0: I have ended up with... Let's say four or five parts in a, in, a, in a play in which I wasn't well liked and um, it becomes a lot, but then you get you get to bow as many times as the parts you did, and people have to clap the whole time so for me it's worth it.
1: I never could take Tammy's place Nancy said but I must admit I'm intrigued with the idea of learning her part Nancy who learned lines quickly and easily began to quote from the love scene in the play between Tammy and Bob Simpson she absolutely learns her whole part and it sounds like it's a pretty extensive part within like two days in between a lot of sleuthing using George as the leading man Nancy shows off what she already knows mm-hmm. Best meanwhile was So convulsed with laughter that she had thrown herself on the bed and was rolling from side to side, tears streaming down her cheeks. It's perfect, absolutely perfect, Bess said, dabbing her eyes. George, too, was roaring with laughter. And I guess the thing is, yeah, Nancy not only learns this part, acts it well and convincingly, but puts in these minor flourishes that are very Tammy esque.
0: Which reads to me like Nancy's doing this whole part sarcastically.
1: Yeah, I mean, certainly in this part she Oh,
0: look at me. I'm an actress. And Sooth did forcome the Civil War.
1: But George says, Nancy, if you ever get a chance to play the part and do that to Bob Simpson, I'm telling you, Ned Nickerson will scalp you. (laughs) He sure would, Bess laughed scalping seems a bit extreme i don't like that
0: that's abusive
1: nancy's tall good-looking friend see better special date than good-looking friend (laughs) who attended emerson college was now a summer counselor at a camp now a book ago it was october and he was in china but now it is summer as you know here in river heights and he's back to the camp counselor routine enough play acting they decide let's get on up to the attic At this moment, the girls heard a woman's loud and terrified scream from the first floor. Margot Spencer has looked out the window and seen a witch. And she is terrified. I think it's really telling. So Mr. Spencer had been so worried about being believed. He had been so relieved to know he wasn't crazy. But the first thing he does is be like, you didn't see anything. Margot, you you didn't see anything. A witch. You know
0: you, no such thing.
1: You know how your imagination gets away from you. The
0: imagination of an
1: actor
0: sees every bush and tree is a possible prop and person. Hope, are we desensitized to the horrors of our world that if we saw a witch outside, we would say, probably that's not scary.
1: I mean, I would be scared. I'd be like, well, what actor has decided to pull this prank on us? But I wouldn't be like, oh, there's a supernatural being outside my window. Like, it's still kind of creepy if somebody approaches your window dressed up as a witch.
0: Yeah. So this is the gorilla mask all over again. Okay, I see it. Yeah, so the first thing Mr. Spencer does is gaslight
1: her. She turns a withering gaze on him. I wasn't seeing things. Furthermore, you have no right to question my sanity. So he's like no 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 not your sanity i'm just saying you've been working too much and you know as actors and actresses we all have great imaginations Margaret spencer's eyes were darting fire (laughs) i mean yeah this guy um i liked mr spencer up to this point nancy felt very uncomfortable standing there I feel uncomfortable reading this. Yeah, yeah. With a sudden inspiration, she said, Mr. Spencer, let me tell you about something. And she now decides to tell him about the puppet they found in the theater.
0: Sudden inspiration. Like, she hadn't even thought of it yet. She hadn't even made the connection. She was like, that's so weird. She saw a witch.
1: She asks her, that witch, was it standing by itself or supported by a post? It turns out it was leaning against a post.
0: Just like a ragdoll.
1: Mr. Spencer made sincere apologies and gave Margot a kiss and a hug. They did find the witch up in the haymo. Margot positively identifies it as the witch she saw. There it is. Oh, she's so ugly, Hamilton. Now do you blame me for screaming?
0: I mean, a little. It's still just a fake witch.
1: How ugly would something have to be Mm -hmm. that your brain saw it and was like, yes, that's 100% real. I am 100% seeing that, but it is ugly enough that I am horrified.
0: Yeah, I don't even know. It would just have to be close up and surprising. I don't don't know if it's about the ugliness at all. (laughs)
1: Yeah, I don't think it's about the ugliness for me either. Like,
0: if I see a witch at 20 paces, I'm less scared than if it's right behind me. Pretty or not.
1: No, dear. I probably would have done the same thing, Mr. Spencer says. I mean, yeah. Well, Bess wants to know what Nancy has deduced. And Nancy says all she knows still is that the criminal is fleet-footed
0: they're fast
1: good news the girl who was to play the part of the maid has been called out of town for a few weeks
0: yay
1: <laughs> best marvin now has a part
0: i love how the director announces it to the whole cast he's like i have an announcement to make so and so left so i will be giving away their part
1: her friends barely have time to congratulate her before she's being barked at to get it back up on the stage. This is the first time we've seen Margot and Mr. Spencer like doing their job. They are so mean. Yeah. They, they are. are very harsh with these amateur actors, including Baz, <laughs> who this is like her first part ever. So mean to the point that like everybody's getting nervous and then doing even worse, and that's like becomes evident. Nancy and George decide, uh, let's. Go out of the theater. Maybe Bess won't be as nervous if we're not here. But, like, as they leave, they notice that she's done. So apparently she only has a few lines. Yeah, and they kind of laugh about that. Yeah. If we'd closed our eyes, we would have missed her. I wonder if my aspiring actress cousin will come on again. Whether she does or does not, it becomes clear that this part is very small, and somehow still she manages to be kind of bullied about it and berated.
0: Listen, I'll tell you, probably my meanest director was back in high school. The seriousness with which our middle and high school directors (laughs) took things that children were performing in. But even then, the meanest I got was maybe something like, well, I guess this is what you want to show to the audience. And if this is what you want, then
1: fine. So you would say this isn't, like, standard treatment? No, like, heightened, <laughs> heightened
0: passive-aggressive is the worst I've ever gotten. So for this man to be like, what are you doing? That's not a maid. Like, speak your lines with spirit or we'll all be out of job. <laughs> it's just, it's like, it's not even specific. It's just with spirit. It's never like, hey, what's your character feeling? What are these choices? What, you know, it's just like, where's the spirit? Raw, raw.
1: Yeah, you do get the sense that these coaches will be out if their team has a bad season.
0: Yeah, yeah, it's like it's competitive community theater or
1: something. (laughs) So everybody is sucking in this play, (laughs) except for Tammy. Nancy and George, despite their dislike of the girl personally, were spellbound by her performance. Tammy's good, no doubt about it.
0: (laughs) Other than when she's too good, because she really feels that way.
1: Nevertheless, George wouldn't put anything past her. Why, she might even be back of the dancing puppet business.
0: What? But she's a good actress. George, what are you thinking?
1: I love this. Nancy stared into space. George had a point. That, yeah,
0: George really cut to the quick with her whole she could be a suspect thing.
1: I do continue to feel like they represent Nancy as ADHD. <laughs> like, cause that's totally me. That's the, the type of ADHD I have specifically is where I'll just like space out all the time. <laughs> Even though she's tempted to believe George. Nancy says, my dad has always reminded me of the legal tradition. A man is presumed to be innocent until proved guilty.
0: I don't think she's ever mentioned before that yeah, these people aren't guilty yet. The closest Nancy's ever gotten is she'll say like, well dad says not to jump to conclusions or even better well dad always says get enough evidence or the police will let it go. But I've never heard she's still innocent.
1: When we read the original whispering statue Mm -hmm. there was some actual back and forth with her dad about this. But I don't think in any of the rewrites we get any real belief that the people she suspects are innocent until she has proof, Mm -hmm. right? They're guilty and she just has to find proof.
0: Yeah, typically. (laughs) I mean, the hunch knows what the hunch knows.
1: Hamilton Spencer has had enough. The show will have to be postponed, he says. Tammy flies into a rage. I'll see to it that you're out of here before that happens. Quiet, Mr. Spencer ordered her. You have an idea that the Footlighters cannot get along without you as a leading lady in the play. Well, Tammy, you're greatly mistaken. So Tammy's basically like, who are you going to replace me with, Kathy? She sucks.
0: Kathy's like, excuse me? But I do. And please keep Tammy. I swear to God, I suck so bad. For someone who can't act... She speaks with such wit and charisma that the entire cast says, Yes, Kathy does suck. Let's keep Tammy.
1: Tammy stood smug but smiling. The levels
0: of inferiority you need to have to make the statements that poor Kathy just made.
1: <laughs> Why are you being such a jerk, Mr. Spencer? Yeah. I do love Tammy stood smug but smiling because, like, I usually imagine smug I've people smiling. I've never not
0: smiled while I was smug. Yeah. yeah. That's...
1: <laughs> well, Hamilton admits. I get carried away sometimes, forgetting you're not professionals.
0: Well, you know, if they were, they wouldn't be allowed in the Footlighters, I suppose.
1: If they were, they wouldn't suck so bad. I keep
0: forgetting you guys suck, and I keep treating you like you don't. I'm sorry.
1: The incident had whetted Nancy's appetite to learn Tammy's part, not for the forthcoming play, but for the one already being produced several evenings a week. She closets herself in her bedroom and learns the rest of the lines to Act 1. Bess is so excited to have one of Hannah's marvelous dinners because, you know, Bess loved to eat.
0: Hannah Gruen makes some delicious stuff. Yeah. If I was going to Nancy's house, that's the one thing I'd be excited about. That and seeing what Carson smells like. I'm so curious. Probably like a smoky sandalwood.
1: Yeah, I agree. Leather and cigars. Nancy chuckles and says, Well, we could have dinner. We could have Hannah's dinner. (laughs) But there's a certain young lady who's been asked to play a part in the new show. If you're reducing... If she gained too many pounds, she might lose her chance. It
0: would be a shame to see a fat maid in front of everybody.
1: Bess considered this. Finally, she said, I won't eat dessert. Hannah's cooking is like exactly what Nancy eats every single day. Like, right? that that's the whole idea. So like,
0: but Nancy doesn't like it. And that's where Bess packs on the pounds uh, is by, is by yeah. enjoying it.
1: So they have broiled steak and macaroni and cheese. Hannah Gruen was particularly interested in Tammy Whitlock. She sounds like a tartar, the housekeeper said.
0: We had to look that up.
1: Yeah, I looked it up and it's kind of like a warrior. It's
0: just Hannah's way of saying, sounds like a bitch.
1: Yeah, basically. Then Mrs. Gruen chuckled. I always understood that the best way to lose a boy is to chase after him. Jeez,
0: Now now Hannah's being catty as hell.
1: Well, George says, you ought to see how Tammy acts. She's so bold on stage and off that it makes me sick.
0: Disgusting how realistic her acting is.
1: Which I... I wonder if that's supposed to be like funny or hypocritical because George is very bold. George chewed Tammy out. I would not describe George as not a tartar.
0: You're so right. In romantic settings, they very purposefully put George in the exact same place as Nancy or Bess. When it's time for a dance, she wears the dress. So that is interesting that that's this weird uncrossable line with George where she's like, you know, I'm a lot of very cool things. You know, I'm not Sadie goddamn Hawkins.
1: Yeah, yeah.
0: The whole dynamic of who asks who out, it's all its all fucked. But anyway. And how. <laughs> and, uh, and how.
1: <laughs> Best kept her promise and ate none of the delicious strawberry shortcake. <laughs> She had asked to be excused from the table to avoid temptation and was looking at a television program when the telephone rang. So she answers the call. Joe, at the garage, wants Nancy to come right over. Nancy, maybe this belongs to the fellow you're looking for, the one who rammed into your convertible.
0: So Joe's gotten in a matching car with matching damage. Nancy holds up the bumper to her bumper. Perfect fit. She gets out a magnifying glass And checks for his color paint on her car.
1: Yeah, collects the flecks for the police to check. It's Owen Whipley's car, and it has California license plates. Joe is a bit sheepish because he didn't find out where the guy is staying.
0: Didn't even think of it. He's not a detective.
1: Never make it in the detective business. (laughs) Owen's story is that he hit a tree.
0: And obviously not police are called. They're on the lookout. Owen's not getting this car back.
1: They won't let the car leave the garage. They drain all the fuel from it. Now they're back at the theater watching the same play again.
0: Life in the Civil War.
1: But this time, whenever Tammy Whitlock was on stage, Nancy watched her intently. Without moving her lips, Nancy repeated the lines after the actress.
0: Which opens it to either be in her head or ventriloquism.
1: She wished she dared to imitate the other girl's gestures as well, but felt she should not do this for fear of being misunderstood
0: but like we've already established she could just do it in her head but no.
1: Presently, Bess smiled. She leaned over and whispered, Kathy's magnificent tonight. You know what I think? I think Bob Simpson likes her. And she's thrilled at the attention he's paying her.
0: More at 6. <laughs> news as news comes in.
1: George with a low chuckle whistled, but watch out for fireworks from the leading lady when it dawns on her.
0: The play is nowhere as interesting as the personal drama. I would be going to every show of the Footlighter's appearances just to keep tabs on who's dating who based on how realistic their scenes are. I'd love it.
1: Nancy sends Bess after the play to go behind the scenes and spy.
0: George and Nancy will go outside and spy in the parking lot.
1: Nancy notices Kathy and Bob leaving together in a station wagon.
0: Ooh, the vehicle of love.
1: Bess's hunch was right, Nancy thought. (laughs) Tammy gets to her car and is surprised to find a man there. Uh Chuck, Tammy hissed, then added angrily, I told you not to come here. Suppose somebody sees you. (gasps) Shut up and get in. Remember, we have a job to do. Nancy was puzzled by the remarks between the couple. I have half a mind to follow them, Nancy told herself, but it might not be safe to go alone. But luckily, as if in answer to her wish, George appeared from the house. Hurry! We haven't a moment to lose! George and Nancy speed off after... This other car. Mm-hmm. George says, what's the mad rush for? I should know where I'm going.
0: You don't, George. Pretend you're a taxi driver. Follow that car.
1: George whistles when she hears about the few lines they exchanged. Sounds ominous, doesn't it? Nancy did not say a word.
0: And honestly, it really does. It isn't, by the way. Chuck couldn't have chosen his words worse if he tried.
1: After a while of chasing this car, George points out they could be going hours away. And meanwhile, Bess and the Spencer will be worried about them
0: stop whining george we're doing this
1: they can't stop to telephone then they might lose Mm tammy they come upon a country restaurant Mm -hmm. you know the green Acres. the old green
0: acres very the fanciest restaurant you can imagine
1: what an exclusive place
0: they've got fountains a peacock
1: which means says nancy with a sigh we shouldn't go in without escorts Or money.
0: (laughs) That's true. You need the money to pay the escorts.
1: But George is like, how are we going to spy? Scouting around a little.
0: Yeah. Nancy's going to walk up to each of the drawn windows... And peek in from outside.
1: She can't, though, because all of the curtains are closed. Yeah. I mean, long story short, she's just, like, shady as heck in this whole part. Going around a very ritzy restaurant, trying to look in the windows and failing. Yeah. Except for one, like, momentary thing where she doesn't see Tammy. does see Chuck singing.
0: Yes, a little glimpse
1: and, and she's like, oh, this was a wild goose chase. He just meant he had a job singing. She decides this means that perhaps Tammy is a professional and has no right to be in the Footlighters.
0: There's no reason to think you can't be a professional singer and still in a play about the Civil War. Because mm-hmm. it's, it's not even a musical. But Nancy gets around this by saying, I wonder if she has some part in a
1: professional act Such as a monologue or a skit. A
0: monologue or a skit. I love it when I go to dinner at the Green Acres. I get out my Alfredo Carbonara and (laughs) my white sparkling wine and Chuck is singing Sinatra and then Tammy comes on and does a little skit.
1: Well, says Nancy, maybe I should ask the door attendant about the performers. Why should he tell you? They don't say it, but I definitely get the impression that she's also underdressed for this restaurant. We're talking women with apparently emerald necklaces. Like, real emeralds.
0: We're (laughs) we're not talking fancy. We're talking fancy. Fancy.
1: So two men rush out past her and dash towards one of the parked cars. And in, in, in a great show of vigilante justice, George, like, cuts them off so they can't get out of the parking lot. Nancy helps interrogate them.
0: Importantly, though, George only acts because Nancy says, Block them off!
1: Yeah, yeah, George is doing Nancy's bidding. But the point is that they, like, manage to stop and interrogate these two men for an allegedly stolen emerald necklace. Mm-hmm. -hmm. That like the only reason to believe they might have anything to do with it is they were around the place the necklace was a little bit before the necklace disappeared, and then they kind of dashed to their car a little too fast. The restaurant owner is like, "Hey, you have to show us your pockets." Yeah, I don't know. They
0: felt so quickly accused,
1: and they're like, "Well, we'll we'll give you our driver's licenses. Nothing else."
0: The strangest negotiation I've ever heard of.
1: Yeah, Mm -hmm. like
0: you have no right to search me, but. you like my driver's
1: license so they show their licenses they're john terrell and sam longman both from california. california nancy's assessment of these men is also interesting the driver was slim in build and dark while his companion longman was stockier and had unruly light brown hair They both looked to be about 35 years of age, well to do, and did not seem like criminals. Hmm. So her profiling even is like, these guys seem innocent because they look ritzy. The police show up, frisk them. They don't have the necklace after all. Mm -hmm. The police also checked inside the vehicle. Super not cool. Still no necklace. John Terrell like tells off the restaurant owner. I'm never eating here again. And he tells Mrs. Burke that she ought to have her head examined for making such a scene. Nancy decides to ask the restaurant owner if he knows Tammy Whitlock. (laughs) He says, I don't know such a person. Oh, she's in the restaurant right now, Nancy. Nancy went on, then she's a patron and he goes back into the restaurant.
0: Yeah, I love that. Like
1: <laughs> Nancy did not wish to intrude, but she wants to know exactly what happened to the several necklace. Mm-hmm. I have a reputation for being able to find lost objects. I don't mean to intrude in the police search, but would you mind telling me what happened just before you missed your necklace? Nancy's manner was so straightforward and she was so attractive looking. That's it. That no one in the group took offense at her request. We're saying the quiet part out loud everyone
0: was drooling at Nancy Drew
1: and she doesn't help them and it's very interesting to me that she doesn't follow up more with the Burks
0: really at all yeah
1: they had been talking to Chuck Grant the singer between you know songs Mm -hmm. between skits yeah, get <laughs> some <Skits and> sketches. <laughs> the two men from the car had come up and also been chatting. And then soon after, she noticed her necklace was gone and that they were hurrying out of the building.
0: It is strange that once given chase, they ran. It doesn't mean they're guilty, but it was a weird thing for them to do. Of course, we later find out, I mean, they were guilty. <laughs>
1: Yeah, but they didn't have the necklace. Yeah, but that's so the whole point no of running way, is to yeah. is to
0: draw people away. Yeah. So the irony uh, oh, is...
1: Oh, yeah, because they're right? covering for the other Yeah, necklace.
0: yeah. So the whole, the, kind of the irony is all the things that happened was because they were guilty.
1: For a fleeting second, Nancy wondered if there could be any possible connection among Tammy, Chuck, and the two men. But instantly she put the idea out of her mind. It was nah. too improbable. <laughs> too improbable. Nah. The number of improbable things Nancy has come to believe. And she draws the line at maybe two people I saw in a car together. Yeah. And two people who talked to one of those people have something to do with each other. Yeah. Nah. Oh, I guess I can't help you. Bye. Back in the car, Nancy told George the whole story. Instinct tells me this journey wasn't a complete waste of time, she added. And instinct tells me, said George, that in view of what happened last night on the road, we'd better roll up our windows and lock the doors. You're right, Nancy agreed.
0: I No, I I disagree. <laughs> That's not a helpful instinct. No, it,
1: it was. Because you know what? They pull into the driveway. Okay,
0: yeah. Okay. And
1: there's a bunch of horses in the driveway. Yeah. Blocking the road. Well, for Pete's sake, said George. She was about to get out and remove the sawhorses, which she recognized as staged props, Uh when without warning, brilliant lights were flashed into the two girls' eyes from each side of the convertible. Mm -hmm. The default of imagining Nancy's convertible is so set to like the windows would be open, that they have to make sure we know the windows aren't open.
0: And that the top's up.
1: If they want us to imagine. Yeah. You know, and they have to explain why that happened.
0: The suggestion that because there was a hit and run, Mm -hmm. you should have your windows up doesn't really make a lot of sense to me but then yeah in this particular instance after having who knows how many people having literally jumped into her car Uh, including ned to go park it
1: the first time she met him yeah, yeah
0: this time the windows are rolled up and i gotta say
1: she's a badass here Yeah. Nancy and George blinked in the strong glare of the bright flashlights. Roll down your windows, a man's voice ordered. Nancy paid no attention to the order. George, too, remained adamant. I said, roll down your windows, he warned. Instead of obeying, Nancy put her hand on the car's horn. She held it down, and in the stillness of the night, it reverberated loudly. Mm Stop that man on her side. Littered. Nancy paid no attention. It's so great. But after she felt sure the alarm must have been heard, she took her hand off the horn.
0: We're not even going to do anything. You need to do that.
1: Nancy did not touch the window, but called through it. Why did you stop us? We're not going to hurt you. That's what he literally said. Uh, yeah,
0: now get out of the car and check this knife out.
1: Why are you girls snooping around this place?
0: It's- So stupid. Stop it.
1: He received no answer. You're cool customers, said the masked man. But you won't keep so cool if you stay here. The sooner you get out, the better. And if I don't choose to go, Nancy countered. She's basically stalling for time.
0: Yeah, that's it's so great.
1: You haven't seen anything yet around here, the stranger went on. The theater, the house, and the grounds are haunted. Nancy and George almost laughed. One moment, the speaker sounded like like a hoodlum, and the next he was talking like a frightened child about the place being haunted.
0: (laughs) I've never heard in Nancy Drew such disrespect for the idea that a place might be haunted. Like, it's haunted. Oh, you sound stupid. You know that, right?
1: You sound like a friggin' idiot. Well, just then, Mr. Spencer, Emmett Calhoun, and Bess arrive on the scene and off run the bad guys. Yeah. Why the roadblock George demanded? (laughs) Of course those bad guys put on there yeah
0: that was definitely a <laughs> moment of george not paying a lot of attention to what was happening
1: at no point did they make mr spencer or Bess aware of what was taking them so long or where they had gone right so they're literally like scared to death this whole time yeah probably Buzz is like oh they got kidnapped Nancy's like, well, we were just stopped by two masked men. What, Bess cried? How frightening. It was no joke, Nancy agreed. (laughs) Instead of making chase when Mr. Spencer suggests they chase the two masked men, Nancy just smiles, a slight smile. This time, I picked up a clue. (laughs) I know who one of the men is. George asked, how could you? They were masked. This man had an unusual scar just above his right wrist, which was exactly like one of those men they stopped at the restaurant.
0: They're both in the scar gang. This has got to be like the third villain with a wrist scar.
1: I think it's from, like, punching, like, the glass out of windows to, like, unlock the door.
0: That, I had never thought of that. (laughs) That's interesting. No, I, listen... headcanon that's new headcanon that that works for me that does work for me
1: his name is john terrell he's from california and the police have his data
0: (laughs) and he's dreamy
1: nancy drew you're an absolute whiz said bess the two men looked at her admiringly and praised her fine sleuthing you
0: imagine the conversation that those two men had when they got in their car like nancy drew basically just figured out that they didn't do anything they put on the seat belts and they're like well i think we can beat her back to the place and uh give her a good threat what do you say i mean you know got yeah. a full night
1: yeah and they had to have made it there significantly before them
0: significantly before they had to put out the sawhorses
1: and not followed them there yeah
0: they had to know where they were going Whoa. put out the sawhorses put on some masks or some shit.
1: So now she really should know that these two men are probably connected to Chuck and Tammy. Yeah,
0: because how else would they know exactly (laughs) where to go? I
1: don't think she put that together. Yeah. Well, she doesn't always tell you what she's figured
0: out. Oh, she's already got everything done. She She
1: calls Chief McGinnis who says, Nancy, that was a very good night's work on your part. And now I have something amazing to tell you. Owen Whipley (gasps) also has the same scar just above his right wrist
0: it's oh yeah it's an epidemic now we know this
1: <laughs> nancy was thunderstruck really is it something like the shape of a crawling snake i don't have to tell you nancy that owen whitley and john terrell probably are one and the same person when puzzled nancy liked to stretch out on the bed in the darkness and think things through
0: <laughs> the first i've heard of that <laughs> it's like your catchphrase all over again <laughs>
1: Mr. Spencer taps on the door. He says, hey, I'm going to go out and look for the dancing puppet. Do you want to come with me? Of course she wants to go with him. Mr. Spencer says, we shouldn't go out yet. Because remember, these puppets only come in the when middle of- When no one's <laughs> watching. <laughs>
0: The spookiest time. So
1: he's rigged up a bell system from the kitchen to Nancy's <laughs> room so that when he's ready, he can ring the little bell on her nightstand and she can come down and yeah, join him. because if
0: he had to go up and get her and come back, <laughs> it's gonna be gone. <laughs> also ring the bell if I see any cool raccoons.
1: She'll sleep with her ears wide open. She gets into bed in her shorty pajamas and in walks Bess. I know you must be dreadfully tired, she said, but I can't resist telling you something. In the show tonight, Tammy pulled another one of her overdone love scenes with Bob Simpson. And that's not all. He left the theater as soon as possible and literally ran towards his dressing room in the house. Tammy dashed after him. I had gone on ahead and saw this, so I hid behind a bush and watched. She said something to him. I couldn't hear what it was, but he started running faster than ever and called over his shoulder, don't be silly.
0: Great choice hiding behind a bush. In an actor's mind, that could be anything. Secondly, I love him running and looking over his shoulder. Don't be silly!
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, how silly is that? What? (laughs) Nancy burst out laughing. I hate to say it, but it served Tammy right.
0: I guess.
1: You don't hate to say that. And
0: did it? We don't even know what she said.
1: Then she became serious. Tammy had quite an evening first being ditched by Bob, then finding a man in her car whom she acted surprised to see and apparently had to go off with.
0: Plus, I heard someone followed her all night.
1: You kept being annoyed with the wording in this book because to me it's very 60s sitcom. It's just
0: no one talks any of these ways.
1: Yeah.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Every time someone has to speak, they're very much like, it was weird with what the way happened what it was.
1: (laughs) Bess also reveals that Emmett Calhoun never came back to his room tonight. Mm. Much is made of that for a while.
0: I just assume he's on stage all night doing Richard III.
1: (laughs) As it turns out, he is but he's like in another city having had performed it and then stayed with friends. Yeah,
0: all these small things that make this a fun Nancy Drew, like that adults have things to do sometimes.
1: When Nancy finally settled down, she thought she would go over the chain of events in the mystery but sleep overcame her immediately. The newly rigged bell on her bedside table was ringing insistently when she woke up. Sure enough, a life size puppet is in the middle of the lawn in a ballet costume.
0: And it is getting down. It is busting a move. It is. In it.
1: I must hurry, Nancy says. It took only a few seconds to zip up her dress. It seemed like an hour to the excited young detective. Nancy notices that Callie old boy isn't in yet and suspects that he might be the one doing the puppet show. Could be. Nancy wonders if the puppet could have a mechanism inside which was wound up and decides that they must capture the puppet. <laughs> With no pretense of moving stealthily, the two dashed across the grass. We're gaining, Nancy thought in delight. Any moment now, she might solve the mystery surrounding the dancing puppet. Now going for the woods, but not very quickly, so they're running after it. I
0: mean, I would imagine not quickly. But just then,
1: a long-robed, black-hooded figure emerges from the trees, grabs the dancer, runs for the road, disappearing.
0: damn those fleet feet.
1: They do find some footprints, which Nancy surrounds in stones and says, I'll I'll let Chief McGinnis know about these in the morning so they can make moulages of them.
0: I've never had a moulage. It sounds delicious. (laughs) Secondly, did you think for a second those would be there in the morning?
1: I didn't really think it through. I just just
0: felt like you telegraphed it so hard. Like, I'll just put some rocks around it and everything will be fine.
1: Well, it impressed Mr. Spencer, who said, You certainly are a detective, Nancy. I'm delighted your father suggested that you help me solve the mystery of the dancing puppet. Better save your thanks until I really do something, Nancy replied. While Bess was scrambling eggs, Nancy is calling McGuinness and telling him about the footprints. But yes, when everyone showed up, there were no footprints. And boy, does Nancy feel bad for wasting those police's time. Mm -hmm. To make it up to them, she does some sleuthing right there on the spot, pro bono. The officers did not comment, nor give any sign that they thought she had brought them out on a wild goose chase.
0: They believed her.
1: They knew Nancy Drew by reputation and felt sure she would not purposely report a false alarm to the police department. So Nancy says, I bet he didn't escape. He just climbed a tree, saw me circle these footprints, came back down, erased them. Oh, you're probably right. Well, guess we better head back to headquarters. (laughs) No, wait! Nancy, like, figures out which tree looks like its bark has been messed up and, like, climbs up there and finds scraps of things. I found a clue, she says. I found the hiding place of that puppeteer.
0: Okay, we gotta go, Nancy.
1: Will you catch these and please be careful with them?
0: Yeah, yeah.
1: Through the air floated a piece of black cloth, a jagged square of gray suiting, and several bits of pink tulle. Relieved that a valuable clue had made the officer's visit worthwhile, Nancy returned to the house, smiling broadly. You haven't caught the villain, have you? Bess asked teasingly. (laughs) They all have a really good breakfast of blueberry muffins. Oranges, bananas, crisp bacon, and in walks Emmet. Prithee, fair maidens, extend a hungry man a crust to lift his spirit. He's just really getting breakfast out of these girls every day.
0: He's day. He's been eating canned Spam for so long. I don't know where they're finding bacon and oranges and all this stuff, but it's nice to have it.
1: Aren't you up pretty early for an actor? George needled him.
0: <laughs> it's not even three yet.
1: Especially for someone who stayed out all night. Mm-hmm.
0: Walk of shame.
1: This proves he's innocent because he was off <laughs> acting in King Richard and that's why they overheard him reciting lines from King Richard. Damn it!
0: he's proved so many things at once.
1: More Shakespeare quoting abounds. Despite Nancy's slight suspicions of this man and his unawareness of how much trouble he might be to other people, <laughs> she was amused by him. His quotations were apt and his manner of delivery was convincing. (laughs)
0: he sucked but he didn't criminal suck
1: parties in town are fun nancy said but i love the country with its wide open spaces and fields and flowers and trees oh i feel bad every time i see a beautiful tree being cut down and many strokes though with a little axe hew down and fell the hardest timbered oak was the best two lines about trees that nancy could think of
0: oh that was her yeah, 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 nice yeah. job nance
1: emmett calhoun's eyes opened wide and he looked at nancy with admiration now you're speaking my language did you ever think of training for the theater you have a marvelous speaking voice think about it my dear you might become a great actress Nancy beamed and blushed a deep red. Bess and George wanted to write, then tell Emmett that Nancy was learning Tammy's Um, lines. Actually? Trees. Ah, oh, yes, Emmett Calhoun went on. I love trees, but if you must know a little secret, I am scared to death to climb one. I'm like, this is Exactly the kind of information Nancy was trying to get, but seems almost too it's obvious. Two
0: trees? Oh yes, I like them. The one thing I don't like is when two scraps of cloth and some tulle are left in them.
1: <laughs> Nancy could not decide whether the actor was telling the truth. She remembered Emmett Calhoun had worn a gray suit the evening before, but somehow the Shakespearean actor, though eccentric, did not strike Nancy as being dishonest. Maybe she should direct her suspicions elsewhere, the young detective thought. (laughs) Okay, so you did a test. He kind of failed it, but you decided anyways that he's not the guy. Yeah. Nancy has to take some time out of her detecting to rehearse some more. Then they're off to the attic, but this time Emmett Calhoun stops them. You can't go to the attic. Tammy said so. I'm supposed to tell her if you go to the attic.
0: Oh, isn't that from Much Ado About Nothing?
1: According to Calhoun, only the officers of the Footlighters are now allowed... In the attic. In fact, no one else in the club is supposed to go above the first floor. Yes,
0: that's where we keep our best acting, is way up in the attic. You can't have any.
1: George declared firmly, Mr. Spencer invited us here and we can go anywhere on these grounds that we wish. Calhoun smiled patiently. Not according to our leading lady, you can't. Tammy, George cried in a tone of disgust.
0: Her word is law.
1: Kelly, old boy, is also not a member of the board. He just takes Tammy's word for it that this is the rule. Well, of all the nerve, George exploded. It's high time somebody taught Tammy Whitlock a lesson. Of course, Nancy cried says no I'm just gonna go call Tammy she can't get a hold of Tammy her aunt says she's sleeping and needs to sleep because she's gonna have a rehearsal soon and then (laughs) she's gonna have a play she's a very busy actor you know
0: don't wake an actress up before 4pm
1: Nancy does the next thing call the committee and say hey what are the rules can we go into the attic and they're like yeah there's never been any rules about not going into the attic
0: recently Tammy suggested some and literally everyone said no voted I don't see any reason for that.
1: Tammy is a fine little actress he said but she certainly pulls some funny ones. (laughs) When she returns to Bess and George they are still arguing with Calhoun and making it plain to him that they did not care for Tammy Whitlock. He in turn was defending her. My mind is troubled like a fountain stirred and I myself see not the bottom of it. And then he walks off. Bess, once again, puts herself on guard duty. George and Nancy start searching. George gets scared by a jack-in-the-box.
0: Terrifying. <laughs>
1: yeah, a
0: jack-in-the-box is just a puppet that you put on a spring.
1: Or Maybe they're all jack-in-the-boxes.
0: Yeah, we'll have to find out.
1: Finding nothing, Best finally says, It's way past lunchtime and I'm starved. Mm-hmm. Let's get something to eat. Just then, Nancy finds a secret door. She opens this little closet. The life size puppet of a pierrot steps out its left arm was at first upright but now it like lowers menacingly just then callie old boy is coming up the stairs and best the lookout is like hey guys hide the puppet they turn the puppet around so it just walks back into the closet callie old boy hears this crash Which George waves off as her just being clumsy, I guess. Nancy asks him if he's ever been up to the attic, and Emmett says, I detest attics. They're usually full of spiders and dusts and make me sneeze. Mm -hmm. And Nancy, again, tries to kind of trick something out of Callie by, like, asking him if he likes puppets. Yep. No more than the average person, Calhoun replied. So very little. Though I have read a good deal on the subject.
0: Quite a bit more than the normal person i would say
1: there was no sign that he was not telling the truth but he does ask has it ever occurred to you that people are really puppets in this world
0: Callie, oh boy you're blowing my mind
1: he's like oh i don't know much about puppets and gives them a whole history <laughs> yeah. about puppets after all this nancy asks Callie if he thinks puppets can be operated without strings And he says, I don't see how they could be. And that's it for Nancy. She is now satisfied that he knows nothing about the dancing puppet, the witch, or the Perot. (laughs) Mr. Spencer says, it's time for rehearsal. Again, Mr. Spencer ends up horribly angry at the amateur group. What's the matter with everybody? We can't put a performance on like this. You say the lines, but you don't put any vitality into them. Where's
0: your feeling?
1: I'm sorry, Kathy spoke up. It's hard for me to act natural when I'm supposed to be talking to a man and a girl is reading his part. (laughs) That's no excuse, Mr. Spencer shouted. I'm sorry.
0: I gotta leave. I can't talk to Kathy anymore. I can't do this. I I I hate Kathy.
1: You do? I don't like Kathy. You don't? I
0: don't like this, this girl. Everything about Kathy. Tammy's fine at this point. At this point, Tammy's fine. But Kathy, I quit.
1: Okay, that's fair. But for some reason, Mr. Spencer is convinced and he decides to play the part.
0: Yeah, well, okay.
1: This is where we find out Tammy has laryngitis and completely no voice.
0: Mm Mm-hmm. She's out.
1: Now's the time for George to reveal (gasps) that Nancy knows all of Tammy's lines.
0: Oh, do you? Well, what if I tested you on if you were any good?
1: And he's clearly right away impressed.
0: What? Nancy Drew not only knows the lines, she not only gives the vitality, but she even gives the subtle movements of a Tammy.
1: And she takes instruction. And she takes while...
0: direction. Direction.
1: So as George and Bess are watching this, George suddenly leaves the theater, comes back 20 minutes later smiling and saying to herself, Nancy will certainly be surprised.
0: And none of you will because I think we can all guess pretty quickly as Nancy prepares for tonight's show. And Bess and George sneak away Mm -hmm. what's going down. There's not a lot of things you can do for Nancy that she'll be happy about.
1: George has thought to invite Carson Drew, Mm -hmm. Mrs. Gruen, Mm -hmm. then she also calls the camp and invites Ned, Bert Edelton, who was her own favorite date, Mm
0: -hmm.
1: and Dave Evans, where they were all counselors.
0: All the way from somewhere they needed to fly from.
1: They have to fly in and they literally only have that night off of camp. And they fly all the way to see Nancy. So Nancy's trying to solve another mystery with the help of you girls, Ned said, as the car spun along the road. It's a weird one this time, George answered. But I don't know how much we're supposed to tell, so perhaps we should wait and let Nancy do it. Fine thing, Bert complained. After all the help we fellows have given Nancy on other mysteries. Yes, Dave added, think of all the miles we've traveled and you won't even let us in on the excitement.
0: They make a point, comma, unionize.
1: Bess and George knew they were being teased, but still refused to divulge any details about the mystery of the dancing puppet. Many people in the crowd are upset because they came to see Tammy. Just
0: Booing immediately. Come on!
1: But, as the play progressed, the applause for Nancy between acts became very genuine.
0: Wait wait a minute, wait a minute, what's happening here? It's like a Tammy, but different.
1: Bess whispered to George, I'm glad Nancy isn't overplaying the love scene with Bob Simpson the way Tammy dies
0: George says yes it's just unbelievable enough to be good
1: Yeah, George suppressed a chuckle but said, Look at Ned's face. (laughs) Ned Nickerson sat with a grim jaw and eyes straight ahead. He leaned forward slightly in his seat as Bob kissed Nancy. When the scene was over, he heaved a sigh and sat back drumming his fingers on the chair. Not only did Nancy do amazingly, but everyone else did even better than they normally do because they were trying so hard to support Nancy.
0: Bardic inspiration. she gave everyone
1: an advantage. <laughs> there was curtain call after curtain call with Nancy and Bob Simpson commanding a major share of the crowd's enthusiasm. Mr. Drew was among those who were clapping the loudest. Hannah Gruen's eyes were moist. I didn't know Nancy was that good, said Dave. Boy, she ought to make the stage her career. And give up sleuthing, Bess exclaimed, she wouldn't do it in a million years. When they all catch up to her, she's just been being stopped with so much praise that she hasn't even gotten out of her costume yet. When she sees them, she says, well, for goodness sake, oh, it's wonderful to see you, but how in the world did you get here?
0: (laughs) What the hell, guys? Where's my flowers?
1: Flew in at George's invitation, Ned said quickly. Nancy, you were simply great. I didn't have the time to pick up a bouquet for you, but you deserve it. Ned wants to bring them all out for a celebration, but Nancy blushes and says she is greatly embarrassed.
0: You know that guy you watched kissing me? <laughs> I did say I would go out with him, but to be fair, I thought you would never know.
1: If she had accepted... His invitation to go out. Bob Simpson, great guy, couldn't help but overhearing what Nancy said. And he said, I know these fellows have come a long distance. I'll be glad to step aside. That is, if you'll give me a rain check. (laughs) Suddenly an idea came to Nancy. Ned, do you and Bert and Dave have to go back tonight? Yes, we do. Then I have a suggestion. So basically Bob's gonna be their escort back from the airport. (laughs) It turns out that Bob Simpson is actually dating Kathy and invites her to go, so now there's another couple on the trip. Kathy says she's honored to be included in the celebration for the new leading lady. (laughs) Nancy is quick to point out that she's just a temporary sob. Sorry, Nancy,
0: this is a coup now.
1: Kathy says she hopes that that's not true. That's too bad that you and Tammy don't get along, said Nancy. I'm gonna ask you a very blunt question. (laughs) Is it because of Bob Simpson? And it is.
0: Didn't even give a pause.
1: Nancy gives Kathy, I guess, kind of a pep speech about not letting Tammy ruin anything. Yeah. And it makes her feel a lot better, so that's nice.
0: Well done, Nancy.
1: It turns out she's really horrible at the part because of all this drama.
0: She would be a good actress, but it's just so
1: tough.
0: <laughs> well, it goes to show you that maybe yelling at your talent isn't the way to get the best performance out of them
1: when asked where she would like to go to celebrate where does our sleuth say she would like to go none other than the green acre i
0: mean you (laughs) might as well if you can get in with some escorts
1: They have a good dance band and a young singer named Chuck Grant. I think you'll like the place. Bess and George kind of tip the hat that, like, actually this is involved in the mystery. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Once at the restaurant, they get schmoozed by Chuck Grant extensively, who is still the big singer at this club. They're getting some VIP treatment here.
0: Nice. First class amenities.
1: Chuck Grant is also from California, as it turns out. Wouldn't you know it, Tammy Whitlock is his sister sister. And they both have the same unsupportive parents who basically are like, singers and actors, that's no good. But a supportive aunt, apparently. I
0: was hoping Nancy would ask him if they all knew each other.
1: Nancy does start to interrogate him about Mrs. Burke and her emerald necklace. Mm-hmm. He says, well, she seemed like a nice motherly soul. That's why I chatted with her. And then he's like, well, the band's playing. Gotta get back to singing. Mm-hmm. And just then, Ned and the boys need to get on that plane. Ned promises to come back if Nancy needs him Bert guffaws You'd need a magic carpet to get here in time to do any good Dave also put in his jibe. If I were you, Ned, I'd tell Nancy to stay away from the stage before she starts taking her lines too seriously. Bess yawns at the end of the night and says, he called Tammy a firebrand. I'd like to bet that you'll hear from her about playing her part so well tonight. <laughs> George grinned. Tammy can't do anything until she gets her voice back. I hate to wish anyone hard luck, but I hope she doesn't recuperate too soon.
0: That's like saying, like, no disrespect but.
1: At Chief Guinness's request they have to go in and identify some men in some lineups. They end up finding the guy who like pawned the emerald necklace at the pawn shop who Mm -hmm. was also one of the men at the Green Acres restaurant who was suspected of having taken the emerald necklace.
0: Yeah basically the police are doing all the work in the background.
1: He won't even pull up his sleeve because Nancy's pretty sure she's identified him but wants (laughs) to see that remarkable scar. No. The police forcibly do it he won't talk but chief says we'll make him talk later
0: oh good thanks chief
1: a prisoner claims he's being held illegally and that he committed no crimes (laughs) he now says that his car was stolen and that he didn't crash it into a tree Mm -hmm. but what he had said before is that he crashed it into a tree a lot
0: of stories for an innocent guy
1: also chief mcginnis hands nancy whippley's address they get to the address talk to two mothers who are in front of the apartment building trying to gain some information these two ladies are like oh no he doesn't live here he lives in that apartment building and what they find out is that he somehow has an apartment in both apartment buildings as best says this mystery is getting beyond me they call the police on the payphone, when they positively identify this other apartment so in this other second apartment they can hear movement but nobody will come to the door <laughs> nancy decides maybe there's a code word like green acres and then you can say that and they'll come to the door which works
0: i mean yeah why not
1: as soon as he sees the detective, he tries to run. He tries to escape down the fire escape, but the other detective gets him with, like, the help of a passerby. As soon as they catch him, the prisoner began to bluster. What's this all about? You have no right to hold me. I haven't done anything. <laughs> Nancy identifies the guy as Sam Longman. Who's this girl anyway? What rights she got to question me or say who I am? Quietly, Bess spoke up. Loyal Bess. Nancy Drew is a detective, and a very good one, too. The detectives inform Sam that his friend is in prison, Mm -hmm. and even though Sam says it's against the law, they search his apartment anyway. The officer pulled a search warrant from his pocket.
0: That's true, but I wonder... They
1: got it awfully fast. Yeah. They look everywhere. Sam is just like watching them with a self-satisfied smirk as they find nothing. You're nuts if you think you're going to find anything here, he bragged. (laughs) They're about to give up and Sam says, what did I tell you? Now get out of here, all of you. Suddenly, Bess had an inspiration. I mean, this is brilliant. Yeah. She looks in the oven, and jammed inside the oven is the dancing puppet. My friends and I have been trying to solve the puppet mystery, Nancy said. The fucking what? Where'd you get this, they ask Sam. And what's all this about having a dance on the lawn?
0: (laughs) Explain, you know, like a lot to us.
1: I'll tell you nothing, the prisoner answered, except to admit that my friend and I have used the name Whippley as an alias. So they were both using it as an alias, and that's why there's two apartments.
0: Here we are again.
1: Nancy is so excited to get to inspect this puppet. Yep. She takes its back off, and she's looking.
0: She loves and... undressing a good puppet. There's
1: a good picture of this, too. Yeah. Longman all of a sudden screams frantically, Don't touch that! You'll be electrocuted! Yep. <laughs> he says, I'm an electrician, and that puppet is is highly mechanized and works by remote control to electric wires there's a live one inside if you touch it it'll be curtains for you <laughs> what is the
0: voltage on this doll
1: It was invented in the
0: 1900s. Sure. Back when electricity just coursed every doll with terrible power.
1: Oh, Nancy, Bess exclaimed, you might have been killed. Nancy seemed less ruffled by Sam's announcement than the others in the room. She suspects that the live wire was put in there to keep her from finding something that's hidden in there. Yeah. She tells everybody this and the suspect glared at her. Uh (laughs) uh Smitty, the police electrician, comes out. He says that the prisoner's statement was partly true and it was just as well that Nancy had not put her hand inside the back of the puppet. He also says that this would have at one time been a wind up puppet. But now it's electric. So to be clear, this is not a puppet. This is a robot. This is a
0: full size wind up.
1: Humanoid.
0: Mechanized humanoid.
1: It has to be exactly like in The Great Mouse Detective.
0: Okay, so he says it's a remote control though. Technically, I don't know if this falls under puppet or not. It's an animatronic.
1: I guess that is a type of puppet.
0: But only if we also accept, like, CGI Woody the doll being a puppet. Like, it becomes pretty ambiguous. We know what a puppet is, and this is not quite that. I guess, but not quite. But
1: I accept the distinction that a robot would be able to, like, independently. Yes walk it, it, around it, it, was it a robot when it was a wind-up no it was just a wind-up doll
0: yeah I, that's yeah. still
1: not a puppet though
0: no not really right
1: yeah, I, the only thing I can imagine some sort. is the great mouse detective. Like, that's the only right. precedence my brain has for, like, framing this whole thing. <laughs> Anyways, Nancy was right. This <laughs> puppet, or whatever it is, is just stuffed with stolen jewels.
0: <laughs> yeah, and the thing I like to do with all my stolen treasure is is take it out and dance it around. Because that's the safest thing. And guard that with one electric wire.
1: Nancy suspects... That all the other puppets are just jam full of jewelry as well. As they're taking these jewels out of the robot tronic, Bess is like, "Oh, those look real." And the detective is specifically like, "Yeah, and obviously stolen." Which, like, on the one hand, why would you use a puppet in an oven as a jewelry box if it wasn't stolen? <laughs> but on the other hand, I still resent. There's no reason. Like, maybe that is what they. Jump to that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I'll
0: have you know that was my grandmother's puppet in an oven that she kept her jewelry in during World War II.
1: Then Sam like fakes a heart attack.
0: Yep, classic.
1: They feel his pulse and are like, no, you're not having a heart attack. And you
0: know why that connects? he wasn't a very good actor.
1: Your heart beats fast because you're scared but that won't keep you out of jail. Come on. I love that.
0: You think you're having a heart attack but it's a panic attack and you're going to prison.
1: George thinks whoever made these robots was an inventive genius.
0: Oh boy, and yeah, and I, I'm I'm just remembering all the background we're about to get on where these puppets come from.
1: Well, not yet. Best suggest that they try to just like make the puppet dance, I guess, for fun.
0: Would you not do so?
1: I don't know, but they seem to have a great time with it. The detectives come back to see them playing with the puppet and laugh at them. I guess girls never get tired of playing with dolls.
0: Do you want to turn or not, Chief McGinnis?
1: Especially when there's a mystery connected with one, Nancy said. They can't get the prisoner to tell them why he had the puppet. Like, how he's connected with the puppets. Yep.
0: One of our rare cases of everyone not immediately confessing.
1: Bess apparently, like, stole the newspaper from the prisoner's apartment. Yep. Helped herself to it. Is this helpful? Anyone? Bess wonders if they'll be bothered anymore at the mansion. And George is like, well, how could we be? The puppet is in the hands of the police.
0: Yeah, but Tammy might be there still.
1: Yeah, but Nancy points out there's more puppets. Also that, also that. We know there are more puppets. (laughs) Yeah,
0: but Tammy's what really bothers us.
1: Just then, Bess calls out, in the paper, there's an article called, Unknown Amateur Still's Show. <gasps> and underneath it, it says, Nancy Drew makes big hit in first performance. Uh. Oh no, Nancy exclaimed, blushing. Why, that makes it look as if I were better than Tammy. And that's ridiculous. <sighs> you were better than Tammy, Bess said staunchly.
0: I wasn't fishing for that, but thank you.
1: Just as good, anyway, conceded George. Well, yeah. She sucks. Laughed loudly. If Tammy Whitlock sees this, she'll be back on stage tonight, even if she sounds like a frog. Yep. Nancy was silent during the balance of the ride. She did not care for Tammy, yet she did not wish to make an enemy of her. Nancy's kind of scared of her since Chuck called her a firebrand, I guess.
0: You don't want to get wrapped up with a tartar.
1: Why, there's no telling what Tammy may do. Back at the estate, things are no better. Mr. Spencer now thinks that Nancy is gonna take over the part for good. Yeah. And not even
0: just things but like is set on it.
1: Also perhaps for like perpetitude is going to be in all the places. Yeah and nancy convinces him not to make anyone do that next play that everyone sucks at but to instead perhaps get a puppeteer in she happened to see in the newspaper in the
0: newspaper right that a
1: famous one is in town <laughs> oh wait it's Bess who figures this out who suggests this idea oh really yeah Bess is really on this book wow yeah
0: she belongs in acting
1: yeah well and she's so loyal i feel like any organization you would want best you
0: need a Bess.
1: yeah you would want her batting for
0: you right? Luckily in the puppeteer world being famous doesn't mean you don't need to do work at a community theater to get by. Being a famous puppeteer is a pretty niche level of fame
1: yeah. I think
0: Nancy Drew enjoys higher notoriety than any famous puppeteer.
1: Well, says Mr. Spencer, what are we going to do now? Forget the whole thing and assume that the mystery is ended even though it hasn't been entirely solved?
0: Yeah, I guess we could do, oh no, or we shouldn't.
1: Bess spoke up immediately. Mr. Spencer, if you want us to leave, I'm sure Nancy... Mr. P- Spencer became so embarrassed oh. that Nancy felt sorry for no, him. No, I,
0: I didn't. What? You said, I, you said, no.
1: Nancy smiled sweetly. I'd like to stay, she said. It bothers me to leave a mystery unsolved. Before we do another speck of sleuthing, Bess spoke up, we're going to have lunch. I'm starved george began to laugh it would be good for you to go without it how else can you lose those 20 pounds you've been talking about Jeez, oh i lots. don't know george in a healthy way where i still consume food because i don't have an eating disorder maybe that's how i will still reduce
0: sorry sorry Bess, but if you want to be a maid you should never eat lunch
1: Bess made a face at her cousin, which is like the appropriate response. Yeah, yeah. And marched straight for the refrigerator. The first thing she pulled out of it was a large jar of mayonnaise. I want to love George, especially in this book, which, by the way, I still love. This book, uh, what a delightful romp of whimsy and George is just
0: a, has bought in a little hard to the dieting culture
1: yes and I you know and I don't to some degree I can't like blame her because like she has also been targeted with this horrible like messaging about womanhood and about what expectations of women are and I feel like it's like she falls outside of so many lines but she's skinny and to be fair I think George is supposed to be too skinny like Nancy is just right it's just it's it's the my least favorite thing about the series other than the racism is the fat shaming Mm. and George George is the vehicle for which they do this. In fact, today I was realizing, I was talking to you, about how much of Bess's character we see through George's commentary on her. Yeah, for sure. So in a way, when you're getting to know George, you're getting to know Bess. And vice versa, which is just a weird enmeshment as well. Mm -hmm. Like, the amount of investment she has in her cousin's diet seems abnormally large to me.
0: Things defined by what they aren't. Mm -hmm. The way Bess and George are defined by how they are not like each other
1: Yeah, and they are not Nancy. True. George says "Uh uh-uh. Which, first of all, do not say "Uh uh-uh to me. Like, (sighs) right then, you will, we will have a problem. But she also grabs the jar from her cousin. Yeah. Which my automatic, and I guarantee you this, my automatic reaction would be to grab that right back from you. Like, no questions asked. Like, not even messing around. And then, George dictates to Bess what she will be eating for lunch which will be one piece of lettuce one tomato even assuming a whole tomato which is weird yeah yeah and one thin slice of roast beef now maybe it's one of those like you know the big long ones from I the deli know. yeah maybe even then this is not enough food for someone who is then literally running around after criminals today yeah and is gonna go like rehearse for plays and things later like this is this is not I mean at least Bess eats something
0: yeah yeah, maybe she can have a big bowl of iced apples to go with it.
1: Oh, my gosh. I'm just so mad at George here. Because, like, if you ever, if anyone ever sat and told me what I was going to eat, as an adult, real- as, as an 18 or over human being. Yeah,
0: real harm done.
1: We would not be friends anymore. Yeah, And that's including, like, I have uh, been very insecure about my weight for most of my life, Mm -hmm. as have many women in this country. And there have been many times I was trying to diet and may have even appreciated someone trying to remind me, hey, you're dieting. Right. Uh, At certain points, not, not anymore, but at certain points in my development, I might have even appreciated a little reminder. But you had better not treat me like a child. You right. even back then even at my most ashamed we would not have been friends anymore yeah. like and, and I think that is like my privilege showing my privilege of having had things go pretty well for me even though I was overweight sure and not being significantly rejected by my peers over my appearance or my weight certainly not receiving the level of bullying that Bess has received from her two best friends like that would have been extremely damaging to me
0: I mean yeah that makes it worse
1: I'm not saying best should have done this i'm just saying i would have (laughs) you know what i'm saying (laughs) anyways the only fight best puts up is to say i have already lost five pounds Like, she's doing all right. It
0: feels so bad to read this.
1: All she's doing is, like, she's cutting down the desserts, and sometimes that's enough. Yeah. She's not horribly overweight. She's plump, you know? And she says, let's not go overboard on this. Which, yeah, good Good boundaries. boundaries. But then she says, oh, I suppose you're right, and she concedes to eat it. When Mr. Spencer has left, Bess adds, I still want to get a better part in the play than just the maid.
0: All based on how skinny you are, I guess.
1: I guess so. So they go back up to look at the clown to see if he may be full of diamonds, as sure. George says. Sure.
0: Check, check the clowns for diamonds always.
1: But George says, I always thought everything about a clown was make-believe. It's more likely he'd be wearing costume jewelry, which everyone thinks is very funny. When they get up, their Pierrot is gone. Yes. They do hear an evil-sounding hollow laugh, and they cannot find where it had been coming from. And later we find out Nancy just... Didn't find a secret door. She failed. Nancy wants to get to the bottom of who's been doing queer things around here. Mm-hmm. Don't we all? Bess points out that Terrell and Sam are already in jail, so they couldn't have done the laughing. And Nancy's like, oh, yeah, that's right. Well, they could have Confederates.
0: Uh, There's always a few we don't know about.
1: So they decide to look through all the books in the attic. And finally, they find the diary of Ralph von Pelt. He had been an inventor. He came to the United States from Holland. He's the one who created all of these marionettes. There should still be one that they haven't found yet. He built the secret club to hide them from his kids who were, like, breaking them accidentally.
0: It is an exposition trove. I always love a... A dead inventor leaving his nonsense around the house. But he usually just comes out slowly. Like, you kind of find the mm. lore as you go. Yeah. You don't just get to the end and be like... And it's like, oh, well, Willy Wonka lived here, so that's what happened.
1: It's quite a misstep. Yeah. Nancy has a showdown with Tammy in the theater, who she at first thinks is the last puppet. But then it's just Tammy who attacks her unsuccessfully. The way Tammy got involved in the whole crime is... Her brother had some debts to pay. Their Mm. parents are very unsupportive of them being in the arts. Mm -hmm. So her brother had the debts to pay. So he did some work for a gang and then pretty much it's like mafia style. Like he can't get out. That's
0: how all of us, all of us actors get into it.
1: (laughs) Yeah. They just keep like blackmailing him into helping with their jewelry thievery. They will take the jewelry off of the patrons and then they'll slip it to him who hides it. So he's the one who had the necklace.
0: And what's nice about having someone working at the restaurant where you do all your stealing from is that All the thievery happens at the same place with one guy who works there, and it's untraceable. They stuffed a marionette, a life-size marionette, with the amount of stuff they stole. At some point, Yelp is going to hear about this. That's all I'm saying.
1: Sam was apparently very quick-fingered, and Tammy got involved unknowingly at first, Where she was just asked, oh, do you think anyone's wearing some nice jewelry tonight? Is any of it look really real? And she finds out eventually that she's been helping this gang spot which jewelry is real and which jewelry isn't. Yeah,
0: she was just conveniently pretentious.
1: So now she's wrapped up in the whole crime. And apparently that's why she's become such an unpleasant person. Because she's just can't live with this guilt and this stressful new crime career yeah
0: crime keeps you up at night
1: and apparently she was a professional actor out west her parents just like said no it'll be too embarrassing if anyone knows you're an actress you cannot tell anyone and so she doesn't but now she's gonna go when she gets out of jail for her part in all this she's gonna go clean she's gonna be a real actress again it's all gonna be cool chuck is also not a bad guy but you know he did crime, so we're going to have to arrest him. And of course, we already know Sam and John are bad. Callie, old boy, found this diary months Mm. ago. Mm -hmm. Would have helped if he shared this with Nancy. All he does is he lets Tammy in on the secret of the diary, (sighs) Mm -hmm. hoping that that will bring them closer together. Yeah, he
0: wants to hit that.
1: Yeah, so they're going to obviously team up to to solve this mystery, and it's going to be romantic. It's a great first date. But instead, Tammy gives it to her brother, who sells it to the bad guys
0: for the opportunity to get out of his debt but it wasn't enough
1: not enough
0: four puppets do not a gambling debt make once again we have a connection where there's a crime happening people's things are being stolen at a restaurant and nancy gets involved via side crime yeah bonus points crime not only are there mysterious puppets but one of them holds a secret
1: now one of them has a secret that's maybe worth a lot of money. So it's they're an invention. They're or trying to something. scare people off, specifically when they're searching, distract slash scare. Yeah. So that they can search for this last puppet that has this great secret inside of it.
0: And they are doing a terrible job.
1: Yeah. And then they're stuffing the other puppets with jewelry. So the show that night goes amazing. Best had another minor character that she played in this show, and It was
0: thinner than ever.
1: She was excited and happy and looked extremely pretty and played the part well.
0: But not too realistically.
1: Lines she could not remember, she improvised. And her performance brought a good round of applause from the audience. As soon as everyone leaves, they go back to the attic to try to find this frickin' last puppet. Nancy figures out, Ah, let's pry up the floorboard. Duh. Underneath the floor of that closet is a handsome male dancer puppet in Spanish costume. He looks almost real, George remarked. He had like a velvet bolero, white silk blouse. Like preservation here for just being stuck up in like an attic is extremely good. Yeah. So there's papers inside of this one, not jewelry. Yep. And it's like the directions and drawings for a clever invention.
0: It's a new type of fuel cell?
1: Luckily, Mr. Spencer studied engineering before he switched to acting. Ter-
0: so, ter- terrible career choice, by the way. Yeah.
1: So, it's a yeah, it's a new type of fuel cell that functions using aluminum.
0: Aluminum? Which
1: was prohibitively expensive back when this puppet was made. But now
0: you can get that in every foil.
1: And in, like, this jokey finish, the Chief McGinnis shows up with a Perot puppet under one arm and the witch puppet under the other and just comes, like, walking in. And just then, Mr. Trask, the traveling puppeteer, also walks in and, like, wants to buy the puppets. Because they're so cool and everyone laughs at the puppeteer and he has no idea why they're all laughing at him.
0: As our fever dreams burn silently to an end.
1: Honestly, it sounds like spooky to me if I were this visitor.
0: (laughs) Yeah, if I walked in and they were just holding a series of life-size slumped puppets and I was like, those are good puppets. And everyone's like, (laughs) ah!
1: Yeah! And as they're laughing, Nancy finally figures out that that laugh that came out of nowhere was Callie Oldboy's laugh who is like, uh, yeah, you missed the secret stairway. Like, specifically, this is what you're good at is finding secret stairways, Nancy.
0: Also, Callie, just tell us anything ever.
1: He quotes a little bit more shakespeare from king john the day shall not be up as soon as i to try the fair adventure of tomorrow
0: and yea, verily nancy shall adventure again
1: that fits me thought nancy i'm ready for a new mystery to solve even if it's before dawn fate was waiting for her to take on the moonstone valley mystery and how cool does that sound
0: i for once have no idea what it's going to be about what's a moonstone What valley? where? What's happening? I'm excited.
1: George is excited that they're gonna sell the puppets for money for the footlighters. Nancy says actually I think you should probably keep them. It'll make you more money to have them than to sell them.
0: Yeah that's a life-size witch right there.
1: But Mr. Spencer laughed heartily. Detective Drew he said you're absolutely right. Puppets saved us once and these just might save us again.
0: Wait who updated the puppet to have animatronics in it? Who <laughs> did <laughs> that?
1: Well was it Sam the electrician Perhaps?
0: He's very smart then. That is, he missed his calling quite a bit. Why be a criminal when you can make animatronic puppets?
1: Or was it the old Van Pelt guy?
0: He was way ahead of his time. You know who's really ahead of their time?
1: The Moonstone Valley.
0: Everyone out there listening to this amazing (laughs) podcast. Oh, yes, definitely. Uh, And if you're looking forward to being ahead of your time in the future, we're going to come back with the Moonstone Valley. But until then, there's only uh, one... That didn't make any sense.
1: (laughs) There's only one Carl.
0: (laughs) And there's only one Hope. And they say Go Go Wildcats!
1: Wildcats! (laughs) We might need to have a special episode about this video game sometime i
0: have a we have a there's a host of video games we can um oh i don't know put them on our patreon
1: remember to support us at our patreon
0: <laughs> you can email us at river heights radio at google.com or find our patreon river heights radio we'd really appreciate it instagram at river heights radio twitter at river heights fm river heights radio on facebook and river heights radio on youtube uh and give us a review or five stars on uh, apple podcast or spotify or stitcher or wherever you're listening yeah if you listen this far i mean why not
1: we actually put a, a lot of hours into